Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, it's a Tuesday. We are back, and we're broadcasting live, as always, from the drivehubler.com studio. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Elijah Roberson, no Mark Dighton, hanging out with us today here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. Hopefully, everyone had a, a fantastic Christmas weekend. Maybe you're still off work. I don't know. It's Christmas Day Part 2, I guess, uh, around many households in the area. And KB, a good morning to you. I sit here, and I look at you in the eyes. And I realize we're going to have to talk about a stinky Colts performance. <laughs> Not too much better uh, from the Pacers. Hopefully you and yours had a good weekend. How'd yeah, it go? I, I'll be honest. I feel like emotionally drained, hungover. Elijah's like, you look tired. I'm like, Elijah, why don't you go bleep? No, yeah, no, no. He's, a, he's a dad with two young kids, Elijah. Okay. And uh, there's fights right, and crying and bad sports all weekend. Yeah. in the bad sports, uh, I think dominated certainly Saturday into Sunday there of what what you saw the Pacers now loser six of seven. They are in Houston tonight. Rick Carlisle will join us here coming up. Uh, we'll bump him an hour with them on central time. And then, you know, Sunday, Andy, I, I thought that was the worst performance of the season, you know, given the opponent, uh, I think is context that you need to put in there. I'd found it odd that Atlanta, well, I guess maybe not odd, uh, but the Falcons uh, biggest lead all season had been 13 points and they were pretty much in control of that margin through the entire second half, obviously winning that game by 19. Most uh, points they've scored all season. Uh, just a horrendous day tackling uh, offensively. What a great day for Michael Pittman's contract negotiations. <laughs> no kidding. And I think your offensive line has just been too Jekyll and Hyde here late in the season. It's a group that's built to be your strength, and, and you can't have the up-and-down nature that now we've seen, especially in these last two road games, Cincinnati a couple weeks ago and then Atlanta on Sunday. So two weeks to go. Uh, if you beat both the Raiders and Texans at home, that should be enough. It's not a guarantee though. And we'll get more into this as the week moves along. Um, but still the margin for error is uh thinning, thinning, thinning like my hair used to. Uh, so, you know, I've just looked at different scenarios for the Colts and there's no way for us to give that to the people on radio. It's so damn confusing. It really is. All the different things that could happen in all the different seedings. And it wasn't, I want to get into this. It wasn't the worst weekend because of what happened around the Colts. There were some losers. Obviously, Denver losing a big part of that. Uh, Cincinnati, what happened to them, the Texans, and C.J. Stroud. But, you know, it is rare. And this is how I feel about leaving the Atlanta game on Sunday, KB. It is rare that you leave a game and usually you can pick out a couple positives. Right. You know, that guy, yeah. you know, that guy has three sacks or, you know, such and such made a couple big plays down the field or, you know, Juju Brents had two interceptions and a forced fumble. There would be something to where we could at least fit in between all the negativity, some positivity. I don't see any of that. Coming yeah, I, from Sunday, do you? I don't see not not one percent. I mean, they didn't tackle well. I mean, the game was in Minshew's hands. 
He didn't play one of his good games. I mean, he didn't play well at all. They couldn't run the ball. We went in talking about Atlanta's defense, and they couldn't run, you know, they couldn't run the ball. A costly, and you wrote about this, a costly penalty on special teams, which led to a touchdown. Uh, just just a mess from players and coaches and being dialed in or lack thereof. All the things you wanted to see this weekend from the Colts, they didn't do. And then, you know, we talked about if there was a game to lose, okay, yeah, it's an NFC game, yada, yada. I understand. But still, you are the Colts and you are playing for something in your you're a bunch of underdogs, quite frankly, with a backup quarterback and, you know, unproven guys who are trying to make their way defensively. I don't think there's a redeeming quality about what we saw, other than if you're a Colts fan, they were so bad, they can't be that bad this Sunday in Lucas Oil against the Raiders. Either way, just a really bad performance on Sunday. Really disappointing. Yeah, it's funny. I um, I do a podcast, uh, and on the podcast recapping, Colts games, I always do what I liked and what I didn't like. Because I think, and you know, I think our show kind of indicates that on the Mondays and now today being a Tuesday. And recapping games, it's never all good, it's never all bad. That's just kind of how NFL life is. You know, if you are the Raiders yesterday and you just beat the Chiefs, I mean, what a great win for your franchise. This and that. Well, on a list of what Raiders fans would not have liked, I would say Aiden O'Connell not completing a pass in the final three quarters (laughs) is probably near the top of that list. Like, it was a great win. But again, as they project to Sunday with the Colts, right. Aiden O'Connell's going to have to complete more than one pass. Right. Like, you understand what your team's about. Quarters. Sure. So, if I look back on Sunday with the Colts, the only, I have one individual that I'm going to put in the I liked category, okay? Un individual. And that would be Kylan Granson. Yeah, he had a Five good game. Five catches for 62 I guess yards. He would be the one, yeah. With how the Colts' <laughs> tight ends have produced this season, that's a, a, that's a great game. And throw Will Mallory, I guess, in that list, four for 47. That's it. I mean, your pass catchers, I would say your wideouts, not named Michael Pittman Jr., of course. I thought it had several drops of very catchable balls. Was Minshew uh, the Gardner Minshew we're used to in 2023? Probably. Um, but still, I thought there were some moments where Minshew delivered balls in the vicinity of you know balls that should be caught. And whether it's Josh Downs or Alec Pierce or DJ Montgomery, those guys could not come down with them. And again, I go back to the earlier point, Andy, of why I think it's the most disappointing effort of the season is given the opponent. We all saw the crowd shots. That place was half full. That place was a library. And when all week long, it is the future at head coach and quarterback in question. And post game, I, I found this, you know, pretty funny, honestly. Jeff Schultz in Atlanta is their version of, you know, Greg Doyle mm-hmm. or Bob Kravitz sure. back in the day. You Atlanta know, he, Journal Constitution, right? There you go. There you, the so AJC, Elijah. Their head columnist, and his story after the game was to follow Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, to his car and ask him what the future holds for Arthur Smith. It's a good column. So you just got right. outclassed by a team that in their market – their lead columnist has fallen the owner to the car and the owner's non-committal on the head coach's future. Like that to me, this is not the 49ers or the Ravens that you just lost or the Dolphins and whoever you think defines quality football team and the missed tackling. I, I just thought it was an abomination of, and, and I know that some of these guys were drafted very high, but it's not like Atlanta's been doing this at all this season. Again, they have not been San Francisco offensively, offensively which I know as, 
uh, someone that watched the 49ers and maybe had Brock Purdy in a must-have fantasy football game last night. I am none too pleased in this Tuesday morning, but they have not been Debo Samuel, <laughs> did George he, Kittle, okay. and on, Christian did, McCaffrey. Did he have positive points last night for you? Uh, there's no way he could have. I stopped checking at half. Okay, I was about to say, with the four interceptions, there's no way. There's, there's, there's absolutely there's no, way. no way he was on the positive side of the ledger. In the opening drive, he's got like 70-some <laughs> yards. I'm like, this is great. The other guy had Christian McCaffrey. I'm like, this is perfect. He's not even throwing it to him. And boom, the rest of the game unfolds how it does. So, um Again, uh, playoff margin thinning, to say the least. In simplest terms, Andy, and and it's not this simple, but this is kind of how I'll boil it down to the final two weeks. If you win these last two games, you should be in. You're very likely to be in. It's probably the better way to put it. Now, if you end up tied with Cincinnati, and it's just you two, you're out. They have the head-to-head tiebreaker. Now, Cincinnati's 8-7. and They are, I believe it's at Kansas City, and I want to say then it's Cleveland in the final week of the season for the Bengals. I would it need to is. double check that. Yeah, it's, is it's, that it's, right? It's in Kansas City, which used to mean a lot more than it does now. I was going to say. Yeah, they'll still the, be an underdog, but still. The Kansas City team we've seen Ooh. here lately, I'll be very curious about that one. And Cleveland, they could be locked into a seed. So that could mean Miles Garrett's resting, Amari Cooper's resting. So uh, that is, I, I think, in simplest terms, what needs to happen is you need to win out and you need to avoid a head-to-head with Cincinnati. If you get multiple teams involved, if Pittsburgh gets involved, if, you know, whatever, Jacksonville gets involved for some reason, that would favor you because then you get into conference record and that's where the Colts do continue to have a nice tiebreaker. If the Colts split, you're going to need worlds and worlds of help and it's probably unlikely that you make the playoffs. Obviously, if you lose both, you are definitely out of the postseason. So, um, there will be a little bit closer look into these playoff scenarios, situations, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in simplest terms, it's this. Finish ahead of Houston, win the last two, and avoid at all costs being just you and Cincinnati together in a tiebreaker. Because you have a head-to-head over Pittsburgh. You know, Potentially, if you beat the Raiders, you have a head-to-head over them. Um, but some of the other uh, scenarios that involve just Cincinnati are not in your favor. The other ones are in your favor. I just I am stunned at the at the egg that they laid, KB. I guess that's what it is. I, I just cold in the stocking. I, I mean, just complete. They just got completely manhandled for such large parts of that game. Well, they and, and just I, didn't do anything right. I think what also stings is you couldn't have scripted a better start. No, you, you start with the ball. You finally get up seven. You nothing. go right down the field with great balance. You know, yeah. you had Mallory a couple times. Oh, Taylor's, Taylor's first Taylor's two back. carries goes for nineteen yards. Then thirty-one yards the rest of the way. Is that what the stat was? I need I, to look it up. I, I think, think you wrote about six, it in others. Yeah, like sixteen for twenty-one. It was, it was I sixteen say. for thirty-one the rest of the way. It, it's just, I, I mean, I don't know. You dropped an interception. You had a, yet another special teams issue that cost you. Uh, I, I just. I mean, I, I I sit here and I sound like I'm stammering for words. I mean, Atlanta averaged over six yards per play against that defense. They just didn't bring anything. And then uh, coming up here, we'll have our check down in 7, 7.30 as well. Gardner Minshew's comments after the game where he had to come into the locker room and give the guys a speech. I mean, I guess they're a young team, but I guess these are things with us sitting here in the radio studio we don't know, and that is, were they not dialed in 
in that game at all, understanding, yes, you had a subpar opponent that has a backup quarterback, but you know what? You you have a backup quarterback. You've been playing with a backup quarterback and been playing good football a lot of the time with a backup quarterback. I mean, I just, it, it is, I mean, Kyle Pitts scored a touchdown. Kyle Pitts doesn't do anything. Seemingly, we say, hey, where's Kyle Pitts at these days? I just, I am confused how how this team was so much to play the underdog chip on their shoulder type mentality that they've had KB that they would be the ones that would underestimate that they would be the ones that would not play sharp football and you know I tell you the Alec Pierce drop and the Josh Downs drop both of those guys first down opportunities just you think of you know early in the game you think of the special teams penalty early in the game they just I'm stammering here because they just were not dialed in in any facet of the game and I just can't believe from the team that we have seen this season I can't you know they've been beat I felt like they've at least been dialed in right I didn't feel like I thought what we saw on Sunday in Atlanta was the first time that we saw that does that make sense that we just saw a team that just didn't have anything at all yeah, and again, I'll stress this, given the opponent. You know, I think Cincinnati, I mean, they, even without Burrow, they've proven themselves with a lot of guys, you know, skill-wise. They certainly have some defensive players of note. Atlanta, while they have these high draft picks, Andy, they haven't done this to anybody all year long. Um, and part of me kind of walks away from Sunday, and there's a little bit of loser mentality with this, but part of me is like, are the Colts just an average football team that's, Exceeded expectations, but also feasted on a very manageable well, schedule. I, I mean, they are. I, I mean, mean, to that's a certain extent. Probably an accurate description. And again, based off where they were when lost record at the start of the year, I guess that's that's still like a step in the right direction. Oh, well, I mean, it's why Steichen could be coach of the year, is because, of course, this team was picked to win. I mean, the over well, under was three and a half. Ke- is well, Kevin Stefanski, yeah, no uh, question. But you know what I'm saying? Until yeah. Sunday, you know, we had we had that conversation. I mean, I don't know. You look around the AFC, there's a lot of regular. I mean, there's some people doing and, and not very much with quite a bit. I want to be clear. When I say that, like, this is to be expected a bit, this is just kind of an average football team that, again, has exceeded preseason expectations. But they have feasted largely on a very manageable schedule. You look to Sunday in the two areas that you should not have grades on a scale. There are some areas that you do, I think, grade this football team on a scale. The two areas where you don't. Offensive line. O-line and defense. That defense is healthy. I mean, that is a healthy defense at really every level of the unit. And that was an awful display of tackling, awful display of playmaking, and Atlanta just methodically building these big scoring drives. I mean, Andy, we're we're talking seven, eight, nine, double-digit play scoring drives, first half, second half, and then again, offensive line, the Jekyll and Hyde nature to it. Uh, Not just from Blake Freeland. I I thought that was Freeland's probably worst game of his rookie season, but I thought there were other guys in that line that did not step up in any way, shape, or form. Uh, So plenty to get to on the Colts and that game in Atlanta on Sunday. Again, 29-10. to Uh, Little Gas, have a good first Christmas. Yeah, man. How was everything? You know, I mean, he doesn't know what's going on, but he's getting gifts and everything. And, I mean, I told people, don't get him clothes because this dude is flying through clothes right now. (laughs) He gets to wear something about one time before before his legs are too long for it. How was everything in the Bowen household? Everything good? The uh, Barbie house assembling uh, took about 45 minutes on Christmas Eve. Uh, It it went well, and then uh, Max got a Nerf hoop, and he's finishing at the rim very well in the bathtub. 
Oh, is he? Okay. Nerf hoop side of the bathtub. <laughs> oh, I love the Nerf uh, hoop, so, man. So, yeah, he, he's doing it. We're going to work on the left hand, I think, tonight. But he's doing a nice job finishing well, up Well, I think rim. Little Gas is a lefty, too. Now, how about this? You know Max Bowen has picked seven straight Colts games, right? <laughs> did, did he? Okay, so he picked this one? He had the Falcons. Oh, he had, he had Atlanta. I'm trying to remember now. All the videos are starting to run together. Not, well, I can't, sure, I can't sure. remember if he picked up the Atlanta helmet or the Indianapolis helmet. He was helmet. shirt off in this oh, one. He went no. with the Falcons. He had the Bengals two weeks ago. That is seven. You imagine? I mean, Vegas should hire him well, now. Can we do this? Can he start making the pick earlier so we can just copycat <laughs> yeah. off him? Because yeah, I have him, no right? idea. As a gambler, yeah. if uh-huh. you tell if you tell me there is a one or two year old kid who has picked seven, you know who I will follow into the fire. Yes. I will follow uh-huh. Max Bowen into that fire. Yes, uh, I'm waiting for letters <laughs> from fans saying thank you for the 15 month old who has gotten seven straight Colts games correct. Just uh, it's just disappointing on Sun. I think that's just it. It's just. It was. It didn't have to go down like that. If you're a Colts fan, you're thinking it didn't have to go down after that start. Like to me, that was you punch a team that's already kind of on the ropes in the face. And then how easy was that first Atlanta TD drive? Yeah, I mean, you're you're easy third down pickup. Bijan Robinson in the open field and Kyle Pitts on a busted coverage. Boom, boom, boom. It's seven seven. Now there's life. And by the way, Heineke does have a little magic to him. How about the block he threw on Juju Brents? <laughs> well, let's let us let us see how he does next week in I Chicago. Know, I mean, it's not yeah, a lot. In, in that but game, he had a little bit. He had a little bit of Christmas magic sprinkled on him. He can in that sprinkle game. it a little bit there. Pacers Rockets Ugh. tonight, eight o'clock. It is the streaky Houston Rockets, and it's a Pacers team that's honestly streaking just in a negative way. Losers of six of seven. Rick Carlisle going to join us here coming up at 9 o'clock. We hope you all had a great Christmas weekend, great extended weekend. Thanks for spending this Tuesday morning with us. I'm Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney, Elijah Roberson, and for Mark Dykedom. Thanks for tuning in. 93.5107.5 The Fan. All right, check down time. Reminder, coming up at 9 o'clock, Rick Carlisle going to be joining us. A mess in Atlanta, 29-10, your final. The Colts fall by 19. They go to 8-7, and seven, still in the playoffs. But we'll be talking all week what needs to happen, what doesn't need to happen uh, for them to make the postseason. Postgame, Shane Steichen, the loss in Atlanta, not good. Yeah, two games left. Raiders at home coming up on Sunday, and then we'll see where the Texans game, uh, when it's going to be. It's going to be in Lucas Oil. How long does the NFL have here? When should we find out? Would that be this week? No, no, no. It'll be or late. Or it be next week? Yeah, it'll be late Sunday night. So yeah. there's no Monday night game this week. We'll get a Thursday nighter. I think it's Browns-Jets. We'll get a Saturday game. I want to say that's Lions-Cowboys. We'll have the full Sunday slate. There'll be a Sunday nighter. So I would say sometime during Sunday night football, Probably. we'll get an announcement yeah. exactly of when uh, that Colts-Texans game, along with all Week 18 games are. By the way, Colts three-point favorite over the Raiders here early in the yeah, week. Yeah, I see it. And what the Raiders did in Kansas City may confuse things. We'll see. We'll talk about that game. Quickly, one more from Steichen. Uh, Steichen, after that first drive, 13 plays, 75 yards for the Colts. Took five and a half minutes off the clock. We're thinking, okay, it's 7 nothing. From then on, the offense looked pretty bad. What happened after that initial drive? Yeah, if I could answer that, your O-line got whipped. Period. Uh, Jekyll and Hyde offensive line, we've seen it two out of the last three weeks for how much they dominated against Pittsburgh, particularly the final few quarters. Uh, we did not see that in Cincinnati. We did not see it in Atlanta at all. We will get into Michael Pittman's situation, Andy. That was a big news item on Saturday. 
I'm sure a lot of people were in the midst of celebrating their respective, you know, whatever Christmas. Uh, cha- it changed the game. Yeah, Christmas. Completely uh, changed the Eve, game. Eve celebrations there. So uh, we'll touch on where things stand for Michael Pittman and how big his loss was here in just a sec. All right, Pacers in Houston tonight uh, on Saturday night. It was a loss to the Orlando Magic. It was pretty much typical Magic against the Pacers. That is a bunch of wings that, you know, Indiana can't keep in front of them and can't really defend without fouling. I think that's a big topic. I I don't know how much Rick Carlisle wants to entertain that sort of question, but right now the the defense is an issue. Defending without fouling is an issue for this Pacers team. They have lost six of seven. They are now back to 500 on the year. That is 14 and 14. They will take on the Houston Rockets tonight. Andy, how about this for the Rockets? Their season has gone like this. Lost three in a row. Won six in a row. Lost three. Won two. Lost three. Won five. Lost three. And now they've won two. They have not had a win and a loss back-to-back and like gone back-to-back format all season long. They have been a very streaky team. They're young, they're athletic. Uh, Sengun, their young center, a pretty good player. So um, I know the Pacers and the Rockets don't match up a whole lot, but uh, we'll uh, keep you updated on where things stand for that. 8 o'clock tip tonight and the Knicks coming up in Madison Square Garden on Thursday for the Pacers. I want to talk about this later on, but what's your level of worry for the Pacers? Because oh, mine's, mine's yeah, at uh-huh. about a 9 well, right and, now. And again, we, we said this a little bit last week, just – Look at January schedule. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm yeah, that's what I was looking at. You mentioned just Houston. I mean, just go down uh, the list on their schedule. I mean, you mentioned New York, two against Milwaukee, two against Boston coming up, a couple different games against Atlanta as well. And, and I, I misspoke there. It's at Chicago Thursday. The Knicks come up on Saturday. That is actually back at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. So this week, it'll be again tonight in Houston. Thursday, they've got the Bulls. That is in Chicago, also an 8 o'clock tip. It'll be the Knicks on Saturday, and then coming up January 1st, January 3rd, you've got the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, give us one more swoosh, Elijah. Just going back, I'm going to give them some love. Uh, Butler basketball went on the road and lost to oh, Providence boy, in overtime. Brutal, I don't know how much you watched of this, but Thad Mata next actually time, watched a lot. Yeah, of it, yeah, next time we have coach on, you know he's going to be lamenting how that game ended. Butler had a chance; they were they were up two, they were up three. They allowed a three in the final seconds to send it to overtime. Uh, after the game, Mata did talk about it that well, we we were we were going to foul, but we felt it got too late in the clock. And you know exactly if you watch the game, exactly what he was talking about. So. A tough one, ten and three now on the season, one and one in the Big East. But boy, that would have been a big game to win on the road against Kim English. There you go, and Providence, and I guess Butler. I mean, they had all sorts of travel issues. Didn't get there to right before the game. They Just an absolute disaster. Off, uh, yeah, they took off seven thirty in That's the morning unbelievable. on Saturday. Uh, it was a noon tip. Yeah, like you said, down fifteen nothing. And boy, road wins are so hard to come by. I thought they were going to win the game. And that's a a golden opportunity. By the way, uh, let's give away a pair of Butler UConn tickets later today. I know it's maybe not the biggest audience listening on this Tuesday, December 26th, but why not extend Christmas one more day? Uh, We'll do that here coming up a little bit later in the show. Uh, Lastly, other Week 16 items for you, Andy Sweeney. Uh, Trevor Lawrence continues to get hurt, and the Jags continue to lose. Now, the Colts and Texans have no ability to take advantage of that, but Jacksonville does end the year with Carolina and Tennessee, but the Trevor Lawrence situation is certainly something to monitor. 
Anything else stand out to you from yesterday or this weekend? In the well, NFL? I mean, I mean, for me, uh, Jacksonville, Jacksonville is, you know, I've called them frauds and it looked like I was wrong. They looked like they were at, uh, one of the best teams in the entire AFC and they're falling on their face. And that's one thing we're not even mentioning. If you're the Colts or just a poorly timed injury to CJ Stroud is the AFC South is there for you, man. The Jags do not want to win the AFC South. And then just to me, I know what happened last night. I mean, Brock Purdy was bad. We know he can be bad. But to me, I look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a fundamentally broken offense. It's not just one game. I mean, they are a bad offense. We talk about what Michael Pittman has meant. I'm not going to go all the way back a few years ago to Tyreek Hill, but, you know, they've taken some swings at some guys. What, Sky Moore they've taken a swing at. Have the Chiefs, Kadarius Toney they've tried, and those guys just aren't delivering. And then the other thing, we're talking about teams that everything had everything to play for. I mean, if you're the Denver Broncos and you're losing at home to the New England Patriots, unbelievable. That's, I mean, that's that's a rough one on Christmas Eve. I mean, that's the way you go. I mean, that's that's coal in the stocking. I mean, they tried to come back in that game, but I mean, that is a game where they had everything to play for. That was a good result for the Colts on Sunday night. So right now, with two weeks to go in the season in the AFC, the Ravens and the Dolphins have both clinched. How about the Raiders could still win the AFC West? I love it. I I absolutely love it. Man, the Chiefs are a broke offensive team. I mean, KB, they are. It's unbelievable. You have the 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, and Lions. So still five playoff spots to be decided in the AFC. And the NFC, you've got three playoff playoff spots still to be decided there. And Patrick Mahomes, we know this, assuming Kansas City does make the playoffs, which they still are likely to do, he will have to play a road game at some point if they are going to advance. Obviously, they could be at home for their first playoff game, but if they're going to advance, it'll be the first time Mahomes' NFL history that he will have to play a road playoff game. All right, on the other side, that Michael Pittman Jr. situation, it looked like he was going to play against the Falcons, was cleared initially by an independent neurologist. What happened after that? How big was his loss? We'll explain that. And some Gus Bradley chatter coming up on the other side as well. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy right here on a Tuesday morning. Thanks for spending it with us. Yeah, thanks for joining us on this Tuesday on the Wake Up Call here in Indianapolis. The fan got you dialed in. Local shows today. Query and company coming your way at new JMV at 3 o'clock. All the coverage of the Pacers in H-Town. That's what they call it in Houston. Last time I was in Houston was the Final Four, KB. I went there from Radio Row. I I hate Houston. I, I ate at a steakhouse by myself. How does that sound? At the bar by myself. That sounds very difficult to do. It was glorious. It actually, <laughs> you know what it was? It was late at night and an Astros game got out. And I'm like, well, you know, all the sports bars were full. I was thinking, where could I go where one man could just sit? And I'm like, you know what? A steakhouse. It was busy, but there was one lonely seat there. Uh, and your boy took Way it. Way too so. spread out for me, Houston. Oh, you think so? It's like two different downtowns. Uh, it's a wild city. It's a growing city. And uh, it's going to be Rockets and Pacers tonight on The Fan. Reacting big weekend. The Colts losers on Sunday to the Atlanta Falcons. We'll keep talking about that. And then on Saturday, you know, this really, if we if we would have known, not that our picks matter, but I, I would not have felt the way that I felt. And I'm sure you are the same. 
about this game had we known that Michael Pittman was not going to play. He did travel with the team. He was there. He was, you know, had sunglasses on indoors. I would imagine that's, you know, because of lights and all the, the different things that can happen with a brain injury, concussion, whatever it may be. What is your read of the situation here? Because it looked like he was going to play. He was cleared. It was good news. And then boom, on Saturday, he's going to go with the team, but starting to have symptoms again. He doesn't play on Sunday. And you see the top two leading you know, I could say pass catchers for the Colts were tight ends. Will Mallory uh, and Granson there, both guys not usually at the top of the box score when it comes to yards and everything else. What is your read of the situation? A big week. They got to get Pittman back or we saw that defense and what that defense can do there in Vegas. Well, again, it's very unusual to see a week unfold like it did for a guy in concussion protocol. And then all of a sudden the day of travel, he's ruled out. Due to having, I, I thought the term that Shane Steichen used postgame was relapse into the concussion protocol. Um, so basically, this is how the week unfolded for Michael Pittman Jr. Uh, we know he exited the game against the Steelers due to that big hit. Um, he has some memory, some memory loss from that hit. You know, doesn't necessarily remember. Re- easy for me to say. Nope. Jeez, on this December twenty sixth, doesn't remember. No, it's scary. All of the details. No, no it's which scary. Is very. Oh, scary. He said he woke up like he doesn't remember. He laid out for the ball. Next thing he remembered, he was looking up, and players were looking down on him, and he knew yeah. something had happened. Obviously, yeah, and, at that point, that's scary. And his wife and his you know children were in the locker room, and he was you know very obviously shooken up about you know all of a sudden seeing them and seeing their emotions sure. and things like that. So um, he with the extra day last week, the Colts of course had a Saturday game before the Falcons won, uh, he was able to practice, and he practiced on Thursday and Friday, was not in a non-contact jersey, so he was good to go and cleared the independent neurologist, which is the final step of the concussion protocol on Friday. And then the Colts um, find out on Saturday that Pittman had you know, developed a headache, and all of a sudden, this is, again, after the clearance of the independent neurologist, which is very unusual to see a guy get through all of those steps get the final clearance, and then 24 hours before the game, he now has a symptom to where he goes back into the protocol. And as you said, uh, he did travel to Atlanta, which part of me thought that was a bit unusual, but he did travel. Um, like you pointed out, he was wearing you know sunglasses in an indoor stadium. and I, I don't, yeah, So I don't know if that's the lights or what. Yeah, yeah the sensitivity of being there from a light standpoint, um, you know, the – the Fox crew showed him quite often. He will go back into concussion protocol. So, I mean, he still certainly has a chance to pass through that and be ready to go. You know, we have seen Ryan Kelly. This happened to him a couple of times this season. The difference being Andy, and I'm pretty sure on this, I don't think Kelly ever got full clearance. Like, he would get to step three, maybe even through step four. He would practice, but I don't think he ever got independent neurologist clearance, and then all of a sudden he's ruled out after that. I think he he just failed kind of the final step with this. So obviously the Pittman storyline continues to be front and center heading into this week. And if you are his agent, as sick as it sounds, you have to absolutely have loved the offensive output that the Colts put out there on Sunday without your client. Um, It was an absolute no-show uh, especially from the outside wideouts, which, again, I think that is the key thing to remember. Andy, Alec Pierce plays every single offensive snap. He has three catches in the game. We talked about the important drop that he had as well. DJ Montgomery plays 61 
offensive yeah. snaps. So <laughs> has one catch. Huge, huge number number for him. He has one catch. And this goes back to a storyline we had in training camp a little bit. Remember when the Colts kept just four wideouts on their 53-man roster? And the Ashton Doolin season-ending injury during training camp was something that was noted. They just lack all outside wideout depth. You know, Isaiah McKenzie and that suspension, that doesn't really factor in here. We're talking, again, taller outside wideouts. Pierce and Montgomery, you combine their stats, Andy. They played over 130 snaps. They combined for four catches for 30-some yards. 38 yards. Michael Pittman I, Jr. I does that in one half. I know. And, yeah. and so, Might again, do it in one quarter. This is where you're getting at, and not only the importance to him to your offense, but just in general, why, and you've heard it from me certainly for years now, why I think wideout depth is lacking, quality wideout depth is lacking, and this is obviously a huge storyline as you enter the offseason with Michael Pittman Jr. in a contract year on top of that. So, again, certainly to me, the Jekyll and high nature to your O-line, we'll get into the de- defense here in a second, but boy, did you feel the loss of Pittman. Yeah, you did, and I, I would have probably picked the Colts to lose this game had we known Pittman on Friday was going to be out. You know, we took it for granted, right? Well, he's passed through everything. He's good to go. I mean, to me, there's a number of things here. I don't understand. I'm not saying this is wrong. I want to be clear. I don't understand if Michael Pittman is dealing with these headaches and is dealing with symptoms from that massive hit. Listen, I'm not I'm not hating on him for being out. He took a massive hit. These are brain injuries these guys have. So if he needs time, by God, take your time. Why is he traveling? Yeah, and I, I that's what told, I don't understand. Again, I was told that he woke up with a some sort of headache, sure. you know, pain, however how you want to describe it. So I was a little surprised that he did travel. Yeah, I, I'm just surprised uh, that he was there with the team because, you know, hey, if it's that bad and if it's bad enough to where lights are bothering you, you don't need to be in a stadium like that. I mean, I guess you could say, well, he's going to help the teammates out, but all of that is, I mean, that didn't happen. It, yeah, obviously, and did, again, it obviously didn't happen with what happened. Are all neurologist-based doctors traveling and you want him to be around them? Again, yeah, I I, I just don't, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp on that. I just was surprised. It's not an ankle injury. It's not Anthony Richardson traveling with the team after having uh, a shoulder injury. There's a number of other things. They obviously don't trust Jonathan Taylor right now catching the ball with that thumb. Uh, with that hand, I mean, it must be something. Uh, he was not involved in the passing game very much at all. And then this is, to me, there are moments of clarity uh, with a season, whether this be Pittman's contract himself or just what they need at that position. Going into this offseason, every team needs something, right? You need a defensive lineman. You need a tight end. Some teams need a quarterback. We need all these different things that we've talked with the, with the Colts about. But they need Michael Pittman back bad, and they need somebody else. No, without question. Uh, I mean, yeah, and yeah, and they yeah. need somebody else. And this, it, is not, this is not me getting on Alec Pierce, but everyone falls over themselves to tell me how, you know, well, he plays every snap, and, and, and what do the coaches say, and everything like that. And all of that's fine, but he is a blocking – I feel like he's a blocking wide receiver. Well, he, he is a blocking wideout with a weapon to impact the game down the field. Which he and, did and, one and, time. They got the pass interference right. in the and, first quarter. 
I, I just think we just need to describe Pierce accurately. He's not going to be this dominant underneath wideout. I mean, he's not. that's where Pittman, I think, really excels, of a key possession guy that can routinely make those plays for you and use his physicality in that nature. That's just not going to be Pierce's calling. And again, I've said this before about Alec Pierce, and certainly we touched on it after the Tennessee game when he had those big plays over the top. With Anthony Richardson, I do think Alec Pierce can be an effective deep ball type of guy for you because that's where Richardson excels as a thrower. But to act like he's anything more than that, no. in particular with a quarterback like Gardner Minshew, would be foolish. So that is why you cannot, you know, I will say this so often, Andy, and I've said it so often, you can't skimp, you can't shortcut no. in building around no. Anthony Richardson. So that's why you have to add to it. But didn't and it slap Sunday him in the face? Was a reminder. Yeah, I, I think it was a slap in the face. It was this a, is the first game it, we haven't yeah, seen Pittman it, this year. It was a slap in the face of, okay, Michael Pittman means this much, but now here are the other guys with Pittman not in the lineup. So it's not just his eight catches, 100 yards, and perhaps a touchdown during the game. It's not even that. It's it's how everyone else look. It's the trickle-down effect of that offense without him. And, boy, uh, I, I thought I thought it was staring Chris Ballard right in the face. Now, I'm not I'm, – listen, Ballard's done a good enough job this year to have this team two games away. They're still in the playoffs if they were to start today, and they have been that way for a number of weeks. But you see sometimes a glaring need. Hell, the Chiefs are going through it. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs, who have been this big bad team, they're off the Super Bowl and everything else. They've been able to let a guy like Tyreek Hill go and everything else. It has slapped them in the face that what they have tried to do at that position is not good enough. And now you see how life after Michael Pittman can be. To me, you need Pittman and somebody else to feel better uh, about well, yourself. I don't think it's like that crazy of a thought, Andy, to think, you know, right now Baltimore is arguably the best team in the NFL. Maybe they are. And what is the biggest change for the Ravens this year? Sure, yeah. I mean, they heavily invested in wideout. I mean, heavily. And they've needed it. The Lamar's going to win the MVP? I would probably still vote Christian McCaffrey, but I... I think Lamar's probably going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I... Probably. It's a quarterback award. I mean, let's be honest Brian Purdy was bad last night. Christian McCaffrey, to me, (laughs) probably deserves it. I want to flip over to the Colts' defense. And this, to me, is the one of... I don't... You don't have excuses for that unit's effort on Sunday. And I think it's a laundry list of things, but I'll start with the poor tackling. I, I cannot recall a Colts team that had so many tackling issues in a game. Um, Atlanta, and I've got the box score r- right here. I was thumbing through it before the show started just to double check. Atlanta, Andy, had nine different guys record a play over 10 yards. This was not just Bijan Robinson and Kyle Pitts dominating the game. This was a think about that. Nine different guys had plays of at least ten yards. Well, it's and- Cordell Patterson. It's guys like that that haven't played a lot. But Van Jefferson had a play over ten yards as and well. Scotty Miller. Scotty had a Miller big play wow. over ten yards. Um, and they had three of them that had runs and catches over ten yards. So in total. 12 different plays of more than 10 yards. Um, This is not an offense that's been potent at all. Like I said to lead off the show, uh, their biggest lead all season was 13 points in a game. The 29 points scored was the most for them all season long. Uh, I think it was the second highest yards per play they've had this season as well. And this was just a methodical scoring drive routinely. It was not a bunch of short fields they feasted on. It was not a bunch of like 
50-yard plays that you just have one coverage bust and the drive's over. It was just kind of, oh, yep, here's a little chunk here. Here's a little chunk there. They got six yards of play, KB. I thought the second half really is where everything, if you just watched the opening two drives of the second half, that told you everything that you needed to know. If you remember, Taylor Heineke, Andy, what was the score at halftime? 13-7, am I saying this right? Yeah, 13-7 at halftime, yes. 13-7, Falcons get the ball to start the third quarter. And on the first play, Taylor Heineke drops a snap. Yeah. Remember that? Just (laughs) flat out drops it. I'm like, well, there you go. That's a great break right there. So now Atlanta's in second and 14. And what do they do? Throw to B. John Robinson in the flat like they did seemingly every single play. Robinson breaks a tackle. Boom. 14-yard gain. On the very next play, Robinson is bottled up in the backfield. It's going to be at least a three- or four-yard loss. Boom, breaks a tackle, and now he turns another second and long into second and five. Atlanta scores a handful of plays later. And then on the on the next drive, it was 20-10. to 10. Again, still a two-score game. You still feel like you're somewhat in it. You get Atlanta into a third and 14. This is a backup quarterback in a third and 14. And what does Arthur Smith and the Falcons do? They raise the white flag. They say it's a give up. It's third and 14. We're not going to risk anything here. We're going to throw a screen to Johnu Smith. And the screen, <laughs> Heineke throws it behind the dude. So he doesn't even throw it in stride. It was a terrible throw. Throws it behind yeah, Johnu Smith, Smith. And sure enough, there's Johnu Smith in the open field, breaking a tackle, getting 15 yards. And right there at that point, I said, Rosie, break out the Barbie house. Let's get back <laughs> to playing with Ken and Barbie. I mean, that. I mean, that's literally where I was at that point of the game. I thought it was a horrendous tackling effort. Um, And to me, the other thing too, Andy, is when you play a quarterback like that, who's inexperienced or hasn't been in the lineup a lot this year, however you want to describe Heineke, and you're playing an offense that has struggled to their point, you should have opportunities to play make. No turnovers. First time in 19 games the Colts haven't had a turnover. And the one sack was for zero yards. Is what three or four hits? So it's not like yeah, it's not it, like it's, well, you didn't get home, but you made him feel uncomfortable. Right. That's not the case. It was it's quite literally Franklin the opposite. The pick, but yeah. outside of that, I don't even remember many opportunities they had around the ball. And I do think we're on, you know, Julian Blackman injury watch. Yeah, I think it's a that bad is. One. Uh, he played that, what ninety nine percent of the snaps that, this season. That is a very it's important a guy one. to watch with that shoulder injury moving forward. By the way, uh, and Elijah, you may need to listen in to what I'm going to ask KB here. What goes into building a? Is it a Barbie castle? Did you? say or a barbie house just a house okay yeah, um it was about about 35 items of plastic kind of cheap plastic to be honest with you a lot of jamming it <laughs> together per se uh, what do you think it was going to be good stuff no I, this I, is yeah. made in china shipped over here and you buy it for say, a bunch of is, money what do you think this is yeah this is I 35 te- 45 minutes that's not that bad i mean no, i feel it like wasn't bad yeah got off pretty easy on Christmas. it was it was uh okay it was solid how all much all notre dame gear did you get over under two and a half items that's where i was gonna set it i actually i don't know if i got a single notre dame item was that because they were just ho-hum and football Dorito what's going socks. on my mother-in-law bought me boxers how does that sound <laughs> I hear Elijah want, laughing off camera. Do you want context around it, or uh, should I just stop I, there? No, I sure. think it's funny the way it is without the context. I think that makes uh, it even better. I, I want to know the context, because anytime you get underwear, we got to talk about it. I believe uh, it sounds a little better if you know she <laughs> bought it and then gave it to her daughter to then wrap for me. Uh, it was Doritos boxers. I'm okay. obsessed with Doritos. 
I don't think I ever do your obsession with Doritos. Nacho cheese. You're just really? the, the old but tra- I can the traditional throw in a little cool ranch. I love Cool Ranch. Uh, cool Ranch greater than yeah. Nacho cheese. Yes, because Nacho cheese Ugh. gives me heartburn, so I can't eat it all that much. Oh jeez, oh God forbid! How old are you? How old are you? You sound like it, me over it here. It runs in the family. We a lot of us have stomach problems with that sort of thing. So I just well, I just got unlucky <laughs> on the 14 hour flight to Japan coming up for you. Stay away from the Cool Ranch. All right. Oh all right. goodness. Oh, you're going to Japan? How yes, about that? I am. It's a uh, I would like to. I'm going to call it an expensive field trip with my college. So we're there. We're we're gone for two to three weeks. Uh, we'll be there all. I'll be there all of January. Oh, essentially. so it's, a, so it's so. an educational thing. In is a that way, what it is? in a way, I would. I've always been referring to it as cultural education because, okay. like, we're not going into a classroom, but we're sightseeing and stuff and learning. Don't break any. That. Don't break any rules over there. Okay. Don't yeah. get in trouble. Thank you to Alex for that. Better than your dad buying underwear for your wife. Well, uh, Alex, I hope you're not <laughs> speaking from experience there. How many times has that happened? Sounds a little awkward oh, on that end man. there. Uh, I bought you'll you guys will like this. I should I should have put this up on on Twitter. And again, Rick Carlisle will join us coming up uh, at nine o'clock. I want to get to some Minshew sound coming up at the top of the eight o'clock hour. Uh, I bought I bought little gas like these little Fisher Price uh, figurines of the New York Giants. And guess what showed up in the mail? The Buffalo Bills. <laughs> well, I- so I mean, it's like a twenty dollar gift. So like, do I do I return it and go through all that? It's going to take like a month to send it. I thought you were going to say Tyrod Taylor I'm showed gonna- up. But t- <laughs> Tommy DeVito to, did not. Yeah. Th- boy, that was a fun story, wasn't it, everybody? Tommy Cutlets benched, um, which well, is fantastic. Are you more confident in Buffalo or Kansas City getting on a run? Uh, da, 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 da. Boy. Now, Buffalo, Buffalo. easily could have lost to the Chargers. I have to say Buffalo, don't I, they should, I mean, You could say they should have lost to the Chargers. And Easton, is it Stick? Is that his name? Easton, Easton Stick. Easton Stick. Uh-huh, is correct. that the, I, the Chiefs are fundamentally broke on offense. Are they not? And and listen, I know you're going to shake your head. I've known you long enough. You Is don't it be- possible we get Chiefs Bills round one? You don't believe it's possible. You don't believe in these curses. I don't think you do. But the Taylor Swift curse. Listen, I, don't roll your eyes because it may it may have happened. Wait, walk since, me through this. Since I, Swift, I, I don't- here it is. Since Swift and Kelsey started dating, the Chiefs are three and four. Kelsey has one touchdown. They lost to the Raiders. So the Swifties have this ability to control the outcome. I, I believe. I believe that's this the is case. Not Kadarius Tony. I don't. I don't believe it's any. You can't blame Kadarius Tony for that one. I mean, they are fundamentally a broken offensive team, and I cannot believe I'm saying that. I, I mean, they beat New England 27-17. They beat Vegas a month ago, and since then, they've been bad on offense, going all the way back before Halloween. They they were we were questioning their offense on you know before Halloween. What was wrong with the Kansas City Chiefs? Now, again, the Colts need the Chiefs' help coming up this weekend. They host Cincinnati. Um, a lot of people have asked, and we'll obviously fill you in on this info throughout the week moves along. If the Colts finish two and zero, Andy, right now you got four teams at eight and seven: Colts, Texans, Steelers, Bengals. Colts and Texans obviously can't both finish at whatever, uh, you know, ten and seven, whatever it is, because they play each other in Week eighteen. If the Colts and the Bengals have the same record and are tied for the final playoff spot, right now the Colts are in because it's a jumbled four-team tiebreaker. If it comes down to a two-team tiebreaker, right. They would not get in. That is the one scenario. You know, a lot of people are like, do they control their own destiny? Well, they are likely to get in if they win the final two. Cincinnati is at Kansas City, and Cincinnati has Cleveland is their other game. Now, again, Cleveland could be resting. They could be, yeah. So that is something just to monitor here over the final two weeks. And I know probably 95% of our audience says, Kevin, the Colts have enough to worry about. 
with the Raiders and the Texans. I fully understand that, but just to keep you updated on the playoff standings, you do not want to be involved in a one-team versus one-team tiebreaker with Cincinnati. You want multiple teams involved because when multiple teams get involved, it goes to conference record, and with the Colts losing on Sunday, that's an NFC loss. So they continue to have one of the better AFC conference tiebreakers if that is needed. So uh, that'll probably be the first of 37 times we go over that here over the next few days. I'll have that up in article form up on our website, 107.5 The Fan as well. Rick Carlisle, in an hour, we'll continue the Colts conversation, give away a pair of Butler tickets to their game with UConn coming up a week from Friday. We'll do that in a bit as well. It's Wake Up Call, KB and Andy. Elijah filling in for Mark Dykton here on this Tuesday morning. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, 8 o'clock hour, hanging on the drive. Hubler.com studio, KB and Andy. It is the wake-up call. No Mark Dighton today. Elijah Roberson hanging out with us. Elijah, I apologize. I called the Jaguars frauds. Isn't your mom who likes the Jags? Wasn't that it? Or Trevor Lawrence? I forgot. Yeah, she is a big Jacksonville fan, but (laughs) I'm going to completely agree with you on this. They are frauds, aren't they? I don't think Trevor Lawrence is the problem necessarily, but they are not. I don't even think they're going to make it. If they make it to the playoffs, they're not going to last uh, at all. So. So shoulder sprain, is that the update on Lawrence? I believe that's what they said, yeah. The dude, the dude just never misses a game, though. Like, you expect him to be questionable, and then Thursday or Friday, it's like, yeah, it's trending towards him playing. Uh, I'm not sure who you love right now. I mean, the Eagles, and we'll talk to Rick Carlisle coming up at the top of the hour, and usually a Tuesday at 8, we'll move him back to 9. They're in Houston tonight. You know, just as a uh, as a general talking point here to kick things off this segment, KB, I just I, I don't know who you're supposed to love right now. I mean, I guess the Baltimore Ravens. I guess the Dolphins as well, but boy, the Chiefs look uh, like frauds. Do you, do you think that the Browns can keep this going in the postseason? Perhaps you say Buffalo, although they were in a two-point game uh, with the Chargers there. Jacksonville very much looks like a fraud. Houston, those injury issues. And then in the NFC, I mean, you have, you know, the, the Eagles right now are going to end up being the two-seed Boy, the Eagles really had to labor to get by the Giants. Now, the Eagles should win their next two games and probably do finish 13-4, uh, and four, so they could still be the one seed. San Francisco, a disaster last night. The Cowboys had their chance to kind of get a big win on a big stage. They failed to do so as well. So the NFL right now is wide open. We'll do our Goats of the Week coming up in a half an hour. Is there someone you're dialed in on right now that you actually like? Because that's what I'm struggling with. I, I, I guess Baltimore, but boy, Lamar hasn't done in the postseason, man. Right, but again, I, I do think it's a little bit of a different you know, Baltimore team with what they have from a wideout standpoint that is intriguing to me. The Jalen Waddle injury for Miami is a big oh, deal. A huge one. Yeah, High ankle huge sprain one. for him. Um, but Andy, if you look at it right now, five and six in the AFC, Cleveland and Buffalo, I mean, they very well could be favored. Or, or just look at those matchups. Kansas City versus Buffalo, that's 3-6 right now. Four five is Jacksonville versus Cleveland. Would you take both the road teams? Uh, I would. Yeah, I, I'm done with Jacksonville. I, I'm completely. So Cleveland I'm over Jacksonville. Probably. Done. I'm and, done with them. Yeah. yeah. Probably everyone's there, but you know, a lot of people would probably take Buffalo over Kansas City. Sure. Right now. So, uh, yeah. 
AFC has now, I think, shifted a little bit into like it's probably and we'll see Baltimore, Miami coming up this Sunday. Uh, but you know the, that'll obviously decide the number one seed. Where do you fall on Gardner Minshew from Sunday? We've gone through the first hour. We haven't talked a whole lot Minshew related. Uh, where do you fall on the play from him against the Falcons? I, I mean, it, I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't good. But he he doesn't have any help out there. Like he's a he needs help out there. We can agree with that, right? And when he doesn't have Pittman out there, it's a huge deal. And when they cannot run the football, I mean, they just could not run the football. Jonathan Taylor's out there with two yards per carry. So now it's okay. So now it's an offensive line that's not having a good game. You can't run the football and you have no wide receiver support whatsoever. So that's why I'm not clubbing uh, Gardner Minshew over the head. He wasn't good, but I I don't know what I'm supposed to expect from Gardner Minshew when every other facet of the offense was basically non-existent around him. Is that unfair? Should I be putting more on his shoulders? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I know it doesn't make for great radio, but I think I'd nod my head at pretty much everything that you just said there. Um, If you're going to tell me before the start of the game, no Michael Pittman Jr., and your offensive line has a Cincinnati-type regression, I would say, oh, it's yeah. not going to be good for you, Gardner. You now, pack it away and bet Atlanta. Of the six sacks, were some of them, you know, maybe did Gardner hold on to it a hair too long? Sure, but again, this is kind of the Gardner we've seen. Pittsburgh was the outlier. You know, Pittsburgh has been the outlier. Minshew's performance against Pittsburgh, which came on a day when your O-line was dominant. Oh, you could run the football. Yeah. Of, of four quarters. Uh, that to me is the is the anomaly of the season. The Minshew we saw on Sunday is a little bit more of kind of what we are used to. And you brought up Taylor's rushing day again. Jonathan Taylor had two carries for 19 yards to start the game. After that, Andy, he had 24 yards on 16 carries the rest of the game. And I might be a little bit too um. Again, I put a lot of that onus on the offensive line and the inability to just create any sort of lanes. Go back to the Pittsburgh game. When Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson got going, the stat exiting that game was, you know, they weren't touched until, what was it, three or four yards down the field. I mean, that's such a great number and a great indicator of your run game having success in your O-line, resetting the line of scrimmage. I never felt like Taylor had that. And I also I felt like at times, and maybe this is me paying more attention to it, than I normally would. I just felt at times Taylor was uber protective of that football. And that's obviously (laughs) can be looked at as a good thing, but I just thought maybe he wasn't as running as free or Mm. he's so concentrating on, oh, man, I, I, I can't cough it up. It's my first game back after the right thumb surgery. There's a bit of an unknown. Guys in practice aren't prying at it like the Falcons you know are going to pry at it. Again, I don't think that was the biggest issue in the run game, but I am interested to see him now in the next couple of weeks. Do we see just a little bit more kind of free-running Taylor and not be as, like, uber, uber conscious of, oh, boy, uh, this is a weird feeling for me. I haven't been in a game setting. Again, this is out of a practice-controlled environment, et cetera, et cetera. And they relied on him heavily. I mean, Goodson got one carry and Sermon got two. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, you know, and, and it, you it was Jonathan good, Taylor's day yesterday. You brought up Sunday. a good point earlier because I thought when Taylor was healthy kind of in the month of November, I would have liked to have seen him utilize a little bit more in the passing game. He had one target. I don't even remember the one target he had on Sunday. Yeah, I don't either. I, I'm curious how much of that was anything due to the 
thumb, and it didn't look like there was a heavy wrap by any means or a cast or anything on that right thumb. If you looked at it, honestly, it kind of had a similar consistency, left glove versus right glove. Again, the right hand, his dominant hand is where that injury, where that surgery occurred. Uh, But I still think, especially on a day when you don't have Pittman, you've got to get the ball in space to Taylor. Screens, uh, I mean, hell, just little quick, quick hitters. Yeah, put him in the slot. Do something you know, with him. Make Atlanta yeah. tackle him in space like you couldn't tackle B. John Robinson in space. I, I think that is something that I would like to see. Part of me does have a feeling, though, you could probably chalk a little bit up of that to just, again, not total confidence in him with the passing game. You mentioned Gardner Minshew. I think one of the stories coming from the game, he... I guess an impromptu pump-up speech uh, after the game, you know, refocusing everyone. Hey, guys, you know, we're not. You may not get too many chances at being a playoff team. What are we doing here? Many players after the game said that Gardner Minshew did that and had a good tone to it. Now, here's Minshew in his post-game press conference, kind of talking about the missed opportunity on Sunday. All right, so there's Minshew, and then, of course, a very concise clip coming from Shane Steichen. Here's Steichen postgame. This wasn't Indianapolis Colts football. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with Minshew's comments. Obviously, you would like to see a team a little bit more desperate entering said game than exiting said game, like not having to need that result to kind of be recentered. I was hoping Cincinnati would, would, would kind of offer that for this football team. But there is, again, an element of me like this is a bit foreign to these guys. Like there is like, I mean, did anyone really think they'd be in this position? I think the disappointing aspect to it is, Andy, you are, you know, in losing to Jake Browning and losing to Taylor Heineke, you're losing to other like-minded teams, if that makes sense to you. Like, oh, you're you not want, losing to the Ravens and Niners no, and Dolphins, right. right, yeah. Or just established quarterbacks. Sure, you sure. Know, Josh uh, you Allen. Know. Yeah, so that I think is what is disappointing. It's that the Colts – Yes, they have overachieved from a win total standpoint to this point of the season. But now, two and three weeks, no more margin for error. If you are to lose one of these last two is to a rookie quarterback. It's it's a lot of teams that are very in a in a very similar boat to you, maybe even in a different boat than you, just with how steep of a drop off it is from a Joe Burrow to a Jake Browning. Or, you know, in, in Atlanta's case yesterday or Sunday, that offensive output again. It was the big-time anomaly for them this season. They had not scored uh, more than or 29 points is what they scored on Sunday. That was a season high for them. Their biggest lead all year long was 13 points as well. Um, but I, I guess to get back to Minshew, maybe he gets graded on a little bit of a curve. I thought he was blah, kind of typical Minshew. Uh, but to me, I put much more of the onus on massive defensive issues, especially in the tackling department and the offensive line. And those two, right or wrong, they get graded on a higher scale in my mind. If he was blah, he was uh, getting boxers from your in-laws that weren't Doritos, that were just boxers, that were just Hanes or Fruit of the Loom. That's well, a tough I, moment. That's if, if that happens, I'm sure it happened you, you got to go outside and smoke a cigarette. Well, yes, you do. Uh, Even if you don't smoke, smoke a heater. Well, you, you, you better have one. Uh, I just, for me, listening to that sound. I'm going to take a walk around the neighborhood after that. For me, listening to that sound. I'm wondering how Colts fans feel because you've overachieved this season, and this is going to be the dance, KB, if they don't make the postseason. I want to be clear. If they make the playoffs, even if they go and they lay an egg immediately in the playoffs, it will be such an overachievement, and there is absolutely a line. Was it a line of demarcation between making the postseason and not making the postseason? 
but I'm interested in what fans. Why? Well, let me go back. When I when it felt like to me Sunday afternoon and Sunday night, and then yesterday and this morning, one of the big pieces of conversation was that sound from Gardner Minshew. That Minshew had to be the one that brought everybody together after the game and that the players talked about how Minshew brought everyone together and said, hey, you know, you don't get many opportunities. You might not be back every year, whatever it may be. And all that is very true. And so I got thinking, how could a group of guys that have, even though it's a young team, we understand that, how could a a bunch of guys take someone for granted? And then I got thinking, KB, of our analysis going into this game, of your analysis, of my analysis, of of the thought in, in the fan base of the Colts. And that is, there was a sense of, I don't know if it's, looking ahead. I don't know if it was arrogance. I don't know if it was you're looking at at this this pathetic Atlanta team that is underachieved, that wants to fire their coach, that wants to get and will get a new quarterback. They just lost to Carolina. Yeah, they just lost to Carolina. The joke of the, I mean, this team was the joke of the NFL and of course the Atlanta Falcons lost to them because that's what Atlanta does and it just I think from from coaching staff to obviously the players all the way down to a radio fatty like me. I just feel like so many of us just just overlook this game and we're almost arrogant about this game. And obviously, go back and look at some of the scores around the NFL this weekend. You can't be that. And then the other thing, the last thing on this is, and, and boy, I know you were doing radio then, and so you can talk to this much better than I can. But, you know, going back two years ago, the Colts had an opportunity sitting at 9-6 and six with Carson Wentz to make the postseason and fell on their face in that Vegas game and then in Jacksonville to not make the postseason. And while that team, you know, definitely had, uh, you know, had more on it than this team. The Colts fan base, especially the last, I mean, they've been a playoff team for what, the last month, month and a half, KB, that now the fans are conditioned to, we are going to make the playoffs. And if it happens here in the final two and three weeks of the season where you don't make the playoffs, going back to 2021 is going to become a conversation piece yet again. I saw some of that rear its ugly head over the weekend. And again, to me, it'd be the opponents that, will have seemingly knocked you out of the playoffs. Like, okay, let's play out this hypothetical. They lose the Raiders on Sunday, and they're knocked out. Jake Browning, Ty- Taylor Heineke, right. and a- Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell, who didn't have a completed pass in you know, three I mean, quarters. That, that's where I think yeah. the sting will be. You know, we'll get a month or two out, and it'll be, boy, Shane Steichen year one. Sure, boy, sure. That, that will be the prevailing thought. But when you're in year seven of a Chris Ballard era, and it is another missed playoff appearance because you have to undertake a rebuild after year six. That's not what anyone expected here early on. Uh, Elijah, you said we had a caller from Cliff. Want to talk Jonathan Taylor? Is that correct? He dropped. He dropped? Yeah, uh, Terry, though. Terry's Terry? There. Terry, good uh, Tuesday. I almost said Monday. Terry, good Tuesday morning to you. Hope you had a Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I miss field trips, by the way. I think that's well said. Where, where do uh, where do kids in the Indianapolis area go on field trips? What are the main couple? I, I would say some of the museums, museums. downtown. Okay. Uh, I mean, hell, I, I'd like to take a field trip to Hinkle Fieldhouse if that's allowed. <laughs> I don't think that's where they're going to send kids. What do you mean? <laughs> you think Historic they're going landmark. to? I guess so. If I have any say, I will chaperone that one in a heartbeat.
if I can. Down <laughs> Are the you going to be the chaperone? You'll have time in the middle of the day after the show, right? It sounds like a decent idea at the time. I might regret it by yeah. about one in the afternoon. It though. might. Be. I I don't know what to do with the the Jonathan Taylor stuff just because there were 21 carries in the game and he got 18 of them. Okay, how about so, this? 42 of 71 snaps. Is that a low number for him? Okay. 42 of well, 71. They, they obviously felt like something with either pass protection or catching the ball wasn't right. wasn't in the I, card. So I, that, I, that, does, mean, that, that does mean something to and, all of and this. Again, Terry and I, I think, kind of had a similar eyesight of, you know, watching him. He is a very patient, effective kind of jump cut guy. You do see him um, kind of pick his spots. Uh, maybe he's not the most straight line runner. So I, I did feel like there were moments where, yes, whether he was, you know, gripping the ball with both hands, ha- everyone describe it. It just looked a little tentative and a little cautious. Again, I don't think that's the root of the run game issue. I think most of it is offensive line driven. Uh, but I do think that is something to point out. Now, I asked him last week, Andy, I go, are you worried about your wind at all? Because remember, when Zach Moss broke his arm, Zach Moss is like, guys, I know it's an upper body injury, but I, I'm not in football shape. Right. Like, I've got to get back into football shape. Now, Moss missed over a month. Taylor missed three weeks. And when I threw that question to Taylor, again, right thumb injury, not lower body, not ankle, not foot, not knee, he didn't want to go there. He's like, no, 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 I'm good. Like, I feel good. I've been running. So I don't know if I can go there. I, I mean, for what it's worth, he wasn't listed on the injury report due to any um, due to any illness. Um, it, there is something that I want to point, and by the way, I, I, I the last point that Terry made there and um, – just the disappointment of the Colts going down there and treating it like a field trip. When you start up 7-0, I mean, that is the ideal start. The ideal start. What is Arthur Smith saying by deferring to the second half? I want my best unit on the field. Right. That's my defense. Your questionable unit is your offense. I want to win that early series, get a little bit of momentum for the, whatever, 30,000 fans that are in this building and see if we can do something. And that didn't happen at all. I mean, you went right down the field. Will Mallory, a couple big plays. Taylor had, obviously, his best runs of the game on that opening drive. And yet, they respond with the easy third down pickup to Scotty Miller. And there's B. John Robinson there. And there's Kyle Pitts. And if you went up to refill the eggnog, it was 7-7. Do you feel, now, this is just me, I don't know. I, I don't know if I even feel this way, but I bet some people do that that was a scripted opening drive, and then eventually when the scripted drives go away, now you're playing real football, and when you were playing real football, we saw what happened to the Colts offense. Yeah, I mean— That, that would be the only thing I would say. I don't know if I believe that or not. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a, a script, and oftentimes it you know lends into the second drive as well, but um, I go back to the play of the offensive line. I mean, Taylor's first two carries go for 19 yards and the rest of the day. Okay, Andy, so how big of a deal is this? I mean, we— Come on, we've been playing without Brayden Smith here for a month. Yeah, you can, you know, we have not said on very many Monday or Tuesdays after a game, we have not come in here because Blake Freeland started, what, seven, eight games now? We haven't said. No, we haven't clubbed him over the head. looks like a day right. three rookie now, he starting bad. offensive Yeah, he tackle. looked bad. He looked like that on Sunday, and I thought Bernard Ryman had one of his poor games of the year, and I thought Atlanta did something very interesting. They put, and this dude, I swear he's the biggest dude that I have ever seen. I can't believe he's still playing in the NFL. Calais Campbell? They put big old Calais Campbell oh, yeah. opposite Ryman. Campbell's more of really an interior guy, but what's kind of the MO on Ryman? And the same thing with Freeland. These are these basketball body types, kind of tight end background guys that are great athletes, dancing bears, but if you put power against them, they can be a little bit susceptible. And how many times did you just... 
see that pocket collapse due to power. I thought there were so many times where it was just guys in Minshew's lap. And I'm talking Colts offensive linemen in his lap. Not necessarily speed rushers getting around the edge, just more of power guys there. So um, you you are not built to sustain Jekyll and Hyde O-line, especially without Michael Pittman, because you just do not have enough skill talent to create a few big plays and kind of offset some of that stuff. There is something I do want to get to a little bit later in that I thought you felt Tony Brown's loss. And I know that might sound like a shocking thing to say. No, you wrote about it and you were right. But there's a a key play that happened in the game that Tony Brown is typically in this unit. And he was not in it, obviously, due to his suspension. And you had a big-time rookie moment by a defensive back that really, I thought, changed the complexion of how the first half ended into the second half as well. We did get a question here, Gus Bradley related. Um, Again, in my opinion, Andy, it was the worst defensive effort of the season. I thought it was your worst tackling day of the season. I thought I saw a stat where B. John Robinson forced like 11 missed tackles. I mean, just whiffs. And it wasn't just Robinson, to be fair. I mean, he was the biggest guy. You had issues tackling. And and I know these guys were drafted high. I mean, Pitts and Drake London and B. John Robinson were all drafted high. Andy, there is no game evidence this season where Atlanta has the ability to do what they did. Oh, Atlanta's offense has been terrible. Offense. I think they were 26 been, or 27 yeah, in scoring, terrible. 18 a game. Uh, they put up 29. If they wanted to, they could have been north of 30. They just kind of you know, threw up the white flag and said, yeah, we'll just kick some field goals here late in the game. So, uh, yes, to me, Gus Bradley-wise and, and player-wise, I, I, I haven't seen the same Zaire Franklin that I saw earlier in the season. Um, you just need a little bit more from that. That is a healthy unit at every level, really. And now it's a little banged up in the secondary with the Julian Blackman injury. But you had no playmaking whatsoever. Zero takeaways in one one sack. If I ask you right now, if I made Minshew and I just threw the quarterback play up there because, again, we've come in here and they've won in spite of their quarterback. Now, that, didn't, that wasn't the case against Pittsburgh. But if I threw Minshew... Uh, his play at quarterback, if I threw in the O-line and I threw in, I, I don't know if I would just say the defense or the front seven, the front, you know, the defensive line, whatever. I'd throw the whole defense uh, in Okay, it. throw the whole defense in. What, what's what's the number one worry you have now going forward? And, and maybe if we even wanted to move Minshew aside, if I said defensive line, o- offensive line, what would it be? I, I would say the bit. Let me answer that question, but let me start here. For Sunday, the order I would put as big as culprits, I'd put defense because that was the healthy group. Right. Then I'd go O-line, then I'd go Minshew. Just for Sunday. That is, I agree with you. Because, again, I grade those top two on, I agree. Uh, on tougher scales. Now, moving forward, the defense, I don't think this is the norm I agree. for them. And, again, Aiden O'Connell doesn't complete a pass in yeah. the last three quarters. I-, I could see the defense be good on Sunday. That would not surprise me whatsoever if they had four or five sacks, got an interception, fumble recovery, hurried Aiden O'Connell. That would not surprise me whatsoever. I would circle O-line. Yeah, I, I just we're, we're right together. to be expected, but that Raiders front with Max Crosby, they did some damage. Against oh, Kansas they're City. They're cocky, and Crosby's a dude. And like, I think the only good. thing that kind of gives me a little bit of, okay, Colts optimism for Sunday is I think the Raiders are, they have to be so emotionally drained from that effort. I mean, if you saw Antonio Pierce postgame, oh, sure. I mean, that was their Super Bowl. They hadn't beaten Kansas City in all right. these years, and we're going to be violent, and we're going to, you know, step on their throat, and all the football, you know, things about, you know, we whatever, love. The, the warrior <laughs> sort of mentality. Antonio Pierce said that. And now you get them on a short week where they have to travel multiple time zones. That should play to your advantage. 
should it's cra- it's, is the key word. It's crazy. The last two weeks, the Raiders have scored 83 points. The la- Again, let me say that again. The last two weeks, they've scored 83 points. The two weeks prior to that, they scored 20. <laughs> if you remember, they lost to the Vikings 3 so, nothing, and they lost to the wrong. Chiefs 31-17. Their last three weeks have been shut out. They scored 63 in a game, <laughs> yeah. and they beat the Chiefs on the road. And they beat the Chiefs on the road to where they didn't do anything offensively, but defensively they made Pat Mahomes uh, look really bad. And that's the worry is they made Pat Mahomes look bad. You have Gardner Minshew. The Chiefs are struggling uh, themselves without having, you know, their best running back goes out and their wide receivers are not who, you know, who they, who they you know, need to win a Super Bowl this year. And if you look at it from the Colts standpoint, you know, they have had issues running the football at times. We saw that on Sunday. And I don't know if Michael Pittman's going to play on Sunday. Do you? It's a scary injury. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to play. I would like to say, oh, yeah, he'll be out there. But I thought that last week after he was cleared by the independent neurologist. Certainly an unknown. Again, did you feel the loss of Tony Brown? I, I will touch on that here coming up in a few. Rick Carlisle in 30 minutes. Uh, go ahead and lead off the morning shutdown. Maybe. Yeah, quickly, uh, let's hear Coach Steichen. It's obviously not a long clip. Michael Pittman did not play. Here's what Steichen said post game about his wide receiver. Alec Pierce, all 71 offensive snaps. Andy for him. He has three catches in the game. DJ Montgomery, the other outside wideout, 61 offensive snaps. Un catch. We pencil Michael Pittman in for what? Eight for 90? I, I do. Eight for 90 and a touchdown Something almost. Like that. yeah. That's pretty much a given with Michael Pittman. Those two guys in over 130 snaps combined. Four catches and you what'd you say, thirty two yards? Oh, I think that's what it Something is. Like I don't that. have I don't have that up yet. Uh yeah, I can find it. But I mean you look at Granson and Mallory being your top two wide receivers. Yeah, Pierce had thirty, Montgomery had eight. Thirty eight yards, four touch uh four uh yeah, four catches, thirty eight yards in the loss. The Ooh. Colts and their playoff standings we'll dive into later in the week. You win two, you should be good, you split, you're gonna need worlds and worlds of help. Uh, playoff article up on 1075thefan.com. Early three-point favorite coming up New Year's Eve afternoon, 1 o'clock with the Raiders. Pacers in action tonight. Our coverage beginning at 7.30. Pacers at Rockets. Uh, uh, Pacers now 14-14. and 14. I thought that Orlando game, A, it's a bad matchup. B, I thought we kind of saw a little bit of a, a bounce back from Tyrese Halliburton. The other thing yeah. as mm-hmm. well, uh, if you take the Charlotte game out, you know, there's several games here where the Pacers aren't scoring as much as we're used to. Again, if you're going to allow a bunch of points, you need to score them. 103 against Memphis, 110 the other night against Orlando. And then coming up tonight, the streaky, as you mentioned, Houston Rockets, 730 on the fan. And I don't mind saying it. I, I, I'm I'm worried about the Pacers. We'll talk with Carlisle at 9 o'clock. I, I don't know if that's a fair question. Are you worried? Um, but I'm, I'm worried uh, you know, you win four out of five, you get things going. The NBA can be fickle. It's a long season, but a couple road games, uh, the Knicks coming up, you get that home and uh, that home and home on a Monday, Wednesday with Milwaukee, two games against Boston coming up in early January. It's a scary schedule. If they keep playing the way they are, they're not a playoff team. They are a slight underdog tonight in Houston. Again, 8 o'clock tip against the Rockets. It'll be in Chicago on Thursday, also at 8 o'clock, home to the Knicks. That's what the week looks like for the Pacers. Again, very quiet college basketball-wise for this week as uh, teams getting back from Christmas. Uh, It'll be later this week before Indiana and Purdue 
get back on the floor. All right, yesterday, week 16 in the NFL. How about the Cleveland Browns? 36-22. Joe Flacco throws for 368. If you played Amari Cooper in <laughs> fantasy, I'm sorry. God bless you. 265. Oh, man. And two scores there for Amari Cooper. And, boy, that result on Saturday, Bengals losing to the Steelers, that was a huge result for the Colts. That is, If that would have been flipped, I know Cincinnati got really outclassed in that game, but that's the one team the Colts do want to avoid from a standing standpoint here the rest of the season. You've got four teams at 8-7. and seven. That is Houston, that is Indy, and that is Cincy, and that is Pittsburgh. Basically, the reason why the Colts are the 8-7 and seven team in the playoffs is largely due to their conference record and that they beat Houston earlier this year. Obviously, they'll see Houston uh, in two weeks here, uh, which will be a huge, huge game, but that is something to keep an eye on playoff standing-wise. Cleveland, Buffalo, and Indy, the last three wildcard spots in the AFC. All right, on the other side, again, did the Colts feel the loss of Tony Brown? We'll also hand out our Goats of the Week and Rick Carlisle in less than 30. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Yeah, thanks for waking up with us, hanging on the drivehubler.com studios. Wake up call KB and Andy, Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney. Halfway through, we got you until 10 o'clock today. Reminder coming up at the top of the 9 o'clock hour, Rick Carlisle will join us there in Houston tonight. That game time at 8 o'clock, 7.30 pregame right here on The Fan. You heard the promo as well. We'll have you covered on Sunday. We'll have you covered on Sunday, getting you ready for the Raiders visiting Lucas Oil. The Colts, a big one there as well. Something, uh, KB, you wrote about on 1075thefan.com is something that's not going to get a lot of love because of uh, of just how inept at times, especially offensively, I should say especially tackling Bajan Robinson as well, was something that happened early in the game, and it happened on special teams, and it happened on the heels of a three-game suspension to Tony Brown. Tell the people, because it was a big play in this game. Yeah, and there's a reason, Andy, why in my story and now on the show today, we have not mentioned it for the first you know big chunk, because I don't think it is the biggest storyline exiting Sunday, as you said. To me, the offensive line, the play of the defense, the tackling issues, those deserve first mention but late in the second quarter it's a 7-7 football game and the Falcons trot out Young Way Koo that is not a phonetic spelling of Young Way but uh, Young Way uh, attempting a 49 yard field goal obviously that is a long field goal he has had some recent issues as well so at this point again Andy 7-7 long field goal attempt no guarantee for a make um, a miss here and the Colts have a short field and all of a sudden it's late first half and boy the Colts could have a halftime lead and on that play, Amir Speed goes off sides as Young Way Koo misses the kick. I believe it was off the right upright, if I'm... Yes, yeah. it was. Um, it was drifting. It was, so, the, uh, it was a drafty uh, Mercedes. He's got an odd <laughs> pre-kick stadium. routine, by the way. I'm like, is he going to toe bash this? He does uh, have an odd, yes, he, like, how he warms he up his leg. He doesn't look like an NFL kicker to I me would agree. from his you know, pre-stance or everyone to describe it. Uh, so Amir Speed goes offside. Who is Amir Speed? 
He is a rookie. The Colts claimed him off waivers a couple months ago from the Patriots. He's a six-round pick out of Michigan State, transferred from Georgia there. Amir Speed is also the dude that ran into Isaiah McKenzie a few years ago or a few weeks ago in Cincinnati that caused a fumble there. Now I bring this up because the role that Amir Speed was in on that play is very similar to a role that Tony Brown has played for the Colts field goal block unit this season. Tony Brown is a veteran in the NFL, is pretty much exclusively a special teamer at this point in his NFL career. And so they're right on that play, Andy. You obviously have Tony Brown no longer with the team. You have a rookie and a mere speed playing in a very similar role to what you had Tony Brown. And in a critical moment, Tony Brown or Tony Brown's absence is felt by a mere speed going offsides giving Atlanta another chance. That then took fourth and five to fourth and inches. The Falcons go for it. They get that first down. And later in that drive, they then kick a field goal. So it's a three-point penalty. What it also did was it ate up another few minutes off that clock. So now Atlanta extends their drive. It's a 14-play drive that ends in a field goal. Now they're up 10-7. The Colts get it back. They go three and out as Minshew is sacked once again on a third down. And what does Atlanta do? They get a 47-yard field goal to end the first half, and it's 13-7. And now they are in control. They get the ball to start the third quarter, and we know how the rest of the game unfolds. So um, would you feel Tony Brown and Isaiah McKenzie's absence? We talked about that last week. On field, basically what we said is it thins your depth and maybe a little special teams to Tony Brown. Well, in that particular play on Sunday – it was a huge, huge turning point. Again, when you lose 29-10, to 10, I largely think that that play probably doesn't decide it, but I'm a big believer in game flow, Andy, and how one play can kind of shift things. Go back to the Pittsburgh game, whether it was the Nick Cross pick of George Pickens, whether it was Gardner Minshew extending and finding Michael Pittman down the sidelines, those moments in a game can change a huge complexion of it. I thought that was a critical moment, and it was feeling a little bit of the loss of Tony Brown there. So I'm not feeling, and we'll get to our goats of the weekend here in a second. I'm not feeling that the special teams had a bad day on Sunday, but that individual decision or play was bad. But this is now penalties to extend drives are awful. They're bad, particularly offsides penalties. Yes, I. I mean, it's now three games in a row that the special teams hadn't really been that good. Uh, it's worth mentioning just because this is a low margin for error team right, and right. the Colts giving away points and giving away time. None of that's none of that's good, especially if you make the postseason or especially giving the, the margin for error these next two games. You can't be you can't be giving points to the Raiders. The Chiefs well, found it, that out the hard way two nights ago. And again, go back to the Cincinnati game or again, look at the Amir speed penalty from Sunday. Andy, you had Penalty against Cincinnati of leverage, or what was it? Leverage, right? Yeah. On the field goal it was, it was It was leverage, right. Evan McPherson, and then you had an offsides penalty by Amir Speed. Blocks in this league are difficult. We do not see many teams block field goal attempts. NFL kickers are really good. Either they miss it or they don't. That's pretty much how it unfolds unless you have Miles Garrett. The percentage of blocking a kick in the NFL has to Is be low. just massively low. And now you have had a penalty in Cincinnati extended drive. I believe that one turned into an actual touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, for the Bengals. And then this one with the Falcons turned into an additional three points. And you bring up a great point. Again, you got outclassed in the second halves of both of those games, so I don't think they would have greatly changed things. 
But for a team that has a small margin for error right now, you cannot make those sorts of mistakes. Again, Rick Carlisle going to join us in about 15 minutes. Let's do our goats from the week. I could give the uh, cop out and to quote (laughs) Rosie Bowen from Christmas morning, uh, she would hand the goat to Santa. (laughs) Daddy, I can't believe he knew everything that I wanted. Oh, good for her. Santa just on top of it. And, you know, the longevity of Santa is darn impressive. So I do want to give a shout out to Mr. Kringle here on December 26th, hopefully kicking his feet up, enjoying a and I don't know, spike a little rum chata in his morning coffee here. You guys leave cookies out on for Santa? Or what, do, what do the Bowens do? We Some did. peanuts or uh, what? A little milk as well. Okay. Santa had a look like a swig or two of the milk. Okay. Looked like the reindeer got into some stuff as well. Um, so, yes. <laughs> Uh, good to see Santa make a stop at the bottom. All right, household. so where do you want to go? You want to go with the, the, the big goat of the week or the bad goat of the week Let's here? Let's go with the big goat, and all I'll right. let you lead off. All, all right, right. I, I guess I'm going to go with the guy who's going to win the MVP now. I guess I'll go with Lamar Jackson. I, I don't know. I mean, Lamar's going to uh, the Heisman. Did I say the Heisman? He's going to win the he's won, he's won the Heisman. He's already won that, uh, yeah. He's also already won the MVP. I guess I'll go with him. I was searching for who else I should go with this weekend, and I just couldn't nail down you know, one particular player, right? I mean, I guess Joe Flacco would have been the other one. I'll go Lamar Jackson. Yeah, that was, was a pretty goat-like just, performance. Just, just those Browns, man. Just, I just, thought <laughs> about ridiculous. going with Mr. Cooper, but, you know, watching Christian McCaffrey last night, it's kind of funny that you went with Lamar Jackson. I'm going to go with Christian McCaffrey as my goat from the weekend, and this is more of a season-long award. Again, Andy, we talked about this when the Jonathan Taylor saga was happening. Christian McCaffrey was really, really injured in Carolina his final two years. He has gone to San Francisco, and he has been extremely healthy, and he is unlike anything we have in the in the NFL. Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Alvin Kamara, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting other elite running backs. Nobody is like Christian McCaffrey. Oh, I agree with you. Um, I'll never yeah. forget a few years ago at Grand Park when the Colts had the Panthers in town for joint practices at training camp. And you've been out there. You are very close to the action at Grand Park. And Christian McCaffrey is going through his individual drills and, you know, it's one-on-one work against Colts linebackers. And I'm sitting there watching. I'm thinking, I have, and I still feel this way. I have never seen an NFL player move like him. And a lot of it is a short area quickness. And just his ability to cut and the change of direction. He is absolutely incredible. Um, I know San Francisco lost last night, so it's probably not maybe the reason to give it to him from this weekend. But I haven't watched a lot of San Francisco. So even watching them a little bit in primetime last night, I'm reminded by Christian McCaffrey. Uh, to me, to me, he is the MVP. Uh, although Lamar Jackson probably has a strong candidacy, uh, it, has to, will, be, it has to will, be. Will yeah, win it. it has to be a quarterback award, which I hate. By the way, I mean Lamar should be up there. Uh, I think McCaffrey easily could win it. I mean, you have a couple defenders. Uh, Miles Garrett's been fantastic. Hell, T.J. Watt. I mean, I know they're not. You know, they probably don't make the postseason. But good God, the Steelers. You feel like the wins above replacement without T.J. Watt would be substantial. You know what's funny as well. I had, uh, I don't know if you remember Floyd Reese. He worked for the Tennessee Titans. He worked for Belichick. Yeah. He did a radio show. Guy. Yeah, he did a radio show in Nashville. He passed away a couple years ago, but I was able to kind of watch some football with him a couple different times and know people that did. And he said what you said. So you have the same eyes as an NFL evaluator. It, it, it he is said, absurd. Yeah, he, now he saw him with, you know, obviously when he was playing with Carolina and they were doing a scrimmage with the Tennessee Titans. And he's like, he's the best player. 
that's on this field. And there's other great players that are on that field, Pro Bowl-type level guys that are on that field. McCaffrey's fantastic. And the hands to go with it and his balance, the ability to break tackles he scores a touchdown. Well. He scores a touchdown every game, yeah, it, basically, all of that. Uh, as well. Here's my here's my lowercase go to the week, and I'm not going to pick on the Jacksonville Jaguars anymore, even though they're pathetic and it's funny and everything else. I'm going to go with the general manager. I'm going to go with Brett Veach. He is, oh, the gen- he is the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs. And I would imagine after the game, he or after the season, he and Pat Mahomes, if they don't make a run, are going to have a little conversation because you have an offense that is broken and an offense that has very few weapons. And I cannot believe, I mean, we've talked around here about Anthony Richardson, what he needs around him. Boy, that Kansas City skill group outside of uh, Kelsey is not good. It's not even average NFL standards. And, I mean, their season right now is hanging in the balance. If they, if Mahomes doesn't not make this magical run, which he's done a couple different times, Jarek McKinnon out four weeks there with that, with being on IR, that's a big deal for them as well. Uh, other running back injuries as well. I think it's them not having the weapons around Patrick Mahomes. How could you not have the weapons around Patrick Mahomes? I'm going to be on. very selfish Ugh. in my answer. I've told you before, Andy Sweeney, I absolutely stink at fantasy football. This year, I have somehow made the playoffs with three of my four teams. Yeah, good for you. All three of them have bowed out here after one game, and I am going to blame Cortland Sutton's <laughs> oh, no. injury for me losing one of those matchups. Uh, my lowercase goat of the weekend, and this is the most selfish fan thing. I feel oh, like I'm wow. yelling. I feel like I'm tweeting at players that that get hurt here at these comments. Tell me, I'm an idiot. Should fantasy football owners have a one injury reprieve? <laughs> Each week, if a player gets hurt, are you allowed to sub in? You have to nominate your injured replacement before the game starts. Okay. Are you allowed to do that? Okay, so it would have been a wide receiver for you. Well, the sure. answer is no to this, but you would have had a wide Am receiver I a designated. Right now? Yeah, you are. I saw Jimmy Cook doing a little whining on the fantasy football front. Now, I, I haven't taken it to social media. Yeah, I know, which is good. You want, st- well, you brought it to the radio. Sticking, so. sticking yeah. to radio here, so hopefully no one will you know, edit this out. and Pass use, this along to Cortland Sutton. Use it against me. Is that a horrible idea? Uh, it's, Injuries are part of football. Li- is what yeah, you're tell I would me? say it's that. I would say it's a little bit of loser's cramp as well. H- haven't you been there before? Uh, listen, brother, we've all been there. I'm I mean, sure listen, we all have. George Pickens is out there catching 70 yard touchdowns. I did love every time a player did something. It was like watching Red Zone on Sunday. It's like if, you know, Aaron Jones trying to give his fancy football orders. I'm like, guys, if you drafted Aaron Jones in the second round, you're probably not in the playoffs <laughs> given that he hasn't done a damn thing this season. I was six points down going to <laughs> last night Monday Night Football. He oh, had McCaffrey no. and I had Brock Purdy. Oh, you were done anyway, right? I mean, as much needed, as I'd like to cry about Corlin yeah, Sutton's yeah, I mean, head injury, you would have needed you would have needed Purdy to throw four touchdowns, not four interceptions, and all those touchdowns not go to McCaffrey. Rick Carlisle in ten minutes. It's the wake up call. Rick Carlisle going to join us here, top of the hour. Uh, some playoff stuff here in a second. We're running those commercials. The the Mark Patrick did did, did you uh, have you heard these? The the hip you can get hypnotized. Uh, have, I, you, have you heard these? Have you ever been hypnotized before? I have. I'm just trying to bear with the <laughs> mother-in-law boxers gift. Oh I don't know if goodness! I'm 
pursue that. So you have been hypnotized. You have been no, hypnotized. I'm not, oh, no, I thought I'm you not. you had been before. Am I missing out? No, I've never been hypnotized as well. I've been in the company of hypnotists that have been able to hypnotize people for all sorts of things, and it can be a good thing. You know, you quit smoking or whatever, lose some weight. I've also had you know people you know run around and act like a monkey. You know, and that's what the Swifties <laughs> have done to the Chiefs. That's what they've done to the Chiefs. Uh, quick little playoff rundown yes, here. If the give Colts us one. win out, they should be in. Again, the big thing the Colts need to avoid, though, here down the stretch is you do not want to be in a head-to-head situation with Cincinnati. Right now, there's four teams at 8-7. and seven. Uh, That is Houston, that's Indy, that's Pittsburgh, and that's Cincy. The more teams you get involved, the better for the Colts because that's going to involve conference record. But if it's just two teams and it's Indy and Cincy, uh, Cincy would take that because they have the head-to-head win. Again, Cincinnati ends the year with Kansas City and Cleveland, but that is something to note. A one-and-one split, and you're going to need a whole lot of help. Uh, If they beat the Raiders, lose the Texans, those playoff odds, about 35%. If they lose to the Raiders and beat the Texans, that is at 46%. Basically, you would need Cincinnati and Pittsburgh both to lose one of their final two games, considering they are both at 8-7. and And even the Raiders, they're lurking now, uh, and they come to Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday. All right, Rick Carlisle, he joins us next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And 9 o'clock hour, thanks for joining us. Thanks for waking up with us. It's the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy hanging out with you. No Mark Dykton today. Elijah Roberson hanging out producing today's effort, as always. Broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studio. One more hour to go. Going to get Rick Carlisle here in just a second. Reminder as well, uh, the Pacers, they are on the road tonight in Houston. 7.30 pregame, 8 o'clock tip-off there in H-Town. Catch it right here on the fan. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Head coach of the Pacers, Rick Carlisle, joining us here on this Tuesday. Coach, good morning. Happy holidays. How are you? Likewise. Happy holidays. I'm well. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, big game tonight there in Houston. Uh, was it a good Christmas? I know you guys, obviously, you're worried about your play on the floor and traveling and everything else, but did you did you at least get a little family and friend time over the last few days? Yeah, Christmas was wonderful. Um, it was a day to uh, <laughs> you know really reflect on uh, all the all the good things that life has to offer, family and et cetera. And um, really an interesting day weather wise, and it, you know, pretty pretty know. warm um, and stuff. So it was great, and uh, <clears throat> we um, we left around 5 p.m. Eastern time or yeah, Eastern time yesterday to come down to Houston. So now we're obviously here and you guys have the right name for your show, the wake up call. This is, this is uh, an accurate an accurate description of what you guys do. Well, it's tough to wake up, Coach. Uh, on, Central on the, time zone on, for on, Coach. Well, that's right a great point. Yeah. On the Tuesday after Christmas, it's like Christmas Day two, and I'm in here staring at Kevin Bowen in the eyes. So that's what that's what we're doing. Are you are you a glass half full or empty with your team right now and how they're playing? Let's start there. 
Oh, I'm always, I've learned to be a, uh, a half full person, really. I think you have to, you have to, you know, you have to look at your team. You look at your, um, the pieces you have to work with. You have to find, find the very best in what those guys are, what they can do. And then, um, you know, work at, work at plugging them in to succeed. Um, you know, individually, yes, but more importantly, you, know, you got to do what's best for the team. And so uh, we got a great group of guys. Um, I've said that really consistently all year long. And um, we're starting to get a little healthier, which is good. And um, so, you know, we're, we're going to remain positive. This stretch, Coach, again, Rick Carlisle joining us here. It's Pacers and Rockets tonight, 8 o'clock here um, from a local standpoint, 7 Central time. Uh, you guys have lost six of seven. What, what do you point to as some of the reasons for this uh, recent rut? Well, obviously the schedule has gotten um, much more difficult, and we knew it was going to, and it's really not getting any easier at all. I mean, Houston's playing well. Um, you know, Chicago is is playing better basketball. Um, New York had a big win yesterday you know at home against Milwaukee and you know then we're into the new year and we're playing Milwaukee twice and then you know Atlanta and then Boston twice you know so it's um there's no bargains with the NBA schedule and if you look ahead too much you know it can it can get a little pretty daunting I guess and so you know we gotta we gotta stay in the present and we gotta we gotta continue to um, to work on the things that we need to work on. And obviously, uh, we've been working on on defense more um, in, a, in, a, in a more concentrated way in the last week, or maybe a little longer than a week. And uh, we're going to continue to do that. When you guys look at that defensive end of the floor, I think there's a no maybe one of the higher fouling teams. Uh, in the NBA through the first, you know, 25, 30 games so far. Um, what do you kind of put into a reason why you guys are one of the higher fouling teams this season? Yeah, it's true. Um, like size is an issue, and we just we just simply got to get better, um, you know, with our team defense, with our positioning. We've got to show our hands more. Um, you know, a lot of our a lot of our fouls happen with with reach-ins, and you know, you just uh, we have to avoid those you know moments where you just are, are in the wrong place at the wrong time, and um, or, or just have a, a lapse of concentration. And uh, and we've shown in recent games that 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 we can do that. Um, you know, the we had the day, we had the practice. I guess it was. Yeah, it was the day. It was a week ago today. Right. You know, I was talking. I remember talking to you guys, and you know, talking about the fact we had a we had our first live practice for you know in, in quite a while. Uh, that helped us. We played much better against Charlotte, um, and then back to back at at Memphis, uh, we didn't win the game, but um, you know, defensively, we we've held three opponents under 120, which you know. It, it, you know, in the old days, wouldn't be saying much, but when you're giving up an average of, you know, 126 or whatever it is, um, it is mild progress, and so we're going to stay on it. 
Rick Carlisle with us here on the fan. He joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, whether it be that defense that you're talking about or individuals or even as a team scoring the basketball, you've mentioned a lot of times consistency. we got to be more consistent. I, I know coaches mention that all the time. How, how do you accomplish that? How do you coach that? How, how do you guys become a more consistent basketball team? Well, you know, possession of the ball is a major part of any sport. I mean, there's no better example than football. Um, you know, turnovers, field position, all that kind of stuff. And in basketball, it's it's the same. Uh, rebounding is a huge part of the game. Um, and, you know, ball security is a huge part of the game. And if you can, if you can control possession of the game um, and you can – um, you know, conserve the amount, you know, it limit the amount of turnovers and the amount of second shots that you allow. It really goes a long way toward um, helping you win games. And so, you know, we've been playing a, a very uh, high paced game um, with, and when you do that, you bring, you bring a certain amount of variance into the game Um and the, you know the teams that can play fast and and not turn it over are going to have an have an advantage because they're going to score more and they're going to put themselves less in harm's way with you know bad turn, bad live turnovers that lead to undefendable transition et cetera. So you know we've got to continue to study um, <laughs> care for the ball. We have to continue to look at um, rebounding and the importance of rebounding and. So, you know, those are those are major priorities and 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 doing it in in the correct spirit. You know, a team that a team that has a real positive spirit is is a team that's always glad to sacrifice for the group for the, for their teammates, et cetera. It sounds very cliched, but it is so so true and uh we have good guys um we make mistakes, you know, because we're ne- we're men, not machines. But uh, we've got to we've got to work at always having the right spirit. And you know, on nights when you're when you when you don't play well enough, you've you've got to turn the page and 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 look toward the next opportunity to get better. That opportunity comes tonight. It will be eight o'clock. Uh, Pacers and Rockets. It'll be the Bulls on Thursday. Knicks on Saturday. It's what the upcoming week looks like for Rick Carlisle. And his bunch. Coach, I know Jairus Walker just spent some time down at the G League Showcase. He's got a little bit of action for you here over the last couple of weeks. Uh, is he close at all to being a potential option for you from a rotation standpoint? Everything's on the table. You know, and and uh, I mean that you'll, you'll find that I'm very serious about that um, very, very soon. Um, you know, Jairus had a really... <laughs> He had two great games at the showcase, um, and then, you know, the, then the third game just uh, the team didn't play particularly well. He had a rough night, and so it's interesting you you bring up his name. I you know Lloyd Pierce and I talked to him on the plane last night about the importance of those kinds of moments where where you can put together, you know, two really strong games, and he put together. Two strong games, I think, of both of scoring and rebounding, and the team won. 
And then they got into the final game of the showcase against uh, a New York team that was deep, that had a lot of young veteran guys, uh, young veteran NBA guys that were out of the mainstream NBA. Um, and those guys were edgy and, you know, they, they, they took it to us. And, you know, Juris just had a, had a game that was <laughs> a quiet game, didn't have the kind of presence that he wanted to have, et cetera. And, you know, we talked to him about the, these moments where you, where you build up, um, you know, the anticipation, you build up the excitement. Uh, you, you've got to put that third game together. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go score a certain number of points or anything else, but there's nothing that says you can't be a highly impactful, impactful guy with, um, with a compete level that is, you know, just uh, obvious. Um, there's nothing that says you can't go get 15 rebounds. And if you, if you do those kinds of things, you know, scoring always falls into place. So, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to, uh, I guess it's a teaching opportunity, you know, for a coaching staff. It's a learning opportunity for a player. Um, and he's on the trip with us down here. You know, he's back at, you know, in the whole, the hometown of his alma mater. And I know he would love to play and, uh, he earned some minutes before the stint in the G league showcase. Um, you know, anything's on the table for tonight, but, but had he put together that third consecutive impactful game, I mean, the whole world would be pounding the table and, you know, so, um, that's a bit of an opportunity lost for him, but we're only a third of the way through the NBA season. And, you know, I expressed to him last night in this conversation that there are going to be more of these kinds of moments and, and when they, and when they present themselves, you know, you, you, you've got to take advantage. I, I want to go back to something you said at the start of that answer. And I guess you, you, you double backed on it kind of there later. Um, everything is on the table. I think you said something to the effect of it, and, and you'll find out very soon. Are, are you talking lineup changes? Is there anything more you can add to that specific part of it? No, not not a, not not right this moment. No, I'm not going to get it. Not going to get into all that stuff. Check back and I, I, I give you I give you guys enough. <laughs> you do. We'll know it. We'll know it when we see it. Right, Check back at six thirty Eastern time tonight, maybe for that one. Well, uh, as we as we used to say when I was working TV, stay tuned. There you go. What what a tease from Rick that, that is right that's a professional tease. Mm-hmm. They teach us how to yeah. do that uh, in radio and TV. Uh, Rick Carlisle with us, Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, how is the health of Bruce Brown right now? How much can you tell us? I know questionable for tonight. Yeah, Bruce is not going to play tonight. I will break that news right now. And uh, we're going to hold him out uh, at least tonight. Um, he has a, a, a bone bruise issue in his knee that we need to get resolved. Um, <laughs> he's a guy that unless you tell him you are not playing, <laughs> he he is going to play. And, uh, you know, Josh uh, Corbiel, our, our head trainer, um, ruled him out as a, as a late scratch uh, in the game against Orlando, which was the right thing. And uh, we will hold him out again tonight um, and try to get him uh, completely 100% um, by the game in Chicago. And if he's not right, then we'll, you know, we'll, we'll put it off another game, but, uh, but he will, he will not play. And so, um, We'll miss him because he's been a good player for us. 
Uh, and then I guess Andrew Nemhart, he got the start the other night against Orlando. Uh, what did you think of in inserting him in the lineup and how he played 17 points, a plus 14 the other night against Orlando? Thought he was terrific. Um, you know, he's one of, he, he's, he's one of our very best perimeter defenders. Um, he is, he provides friction. Now he had a couple quick fouls in that game, but he, but he adjusted after that. Um, and he was able to really to play foul free until into the fourth quarter. So he, he took, he took two fouls into the fourth. Um, and you know, he, he just, uh, he, he had an impactful game at both ends and it, in that particular game, it uh, it provided uh, another another playmaker on the floor to start the game, which is something that takes uh, pressure off Tyrese because the you know teams are um, teams are throwing the kitchen sink at him and they're making it very very difficult. Rick Carlisle again with us, uh, eight o'clock tonight. It is Pacers and Rockets coming up again, Bulls and Knicks the rest of this week. Coach, you get some time to uh, spend with Abby over the uh, holidays. Sure did, yeah. Now she's been home for quite a while, and uh, that's been great. And she's had a, an amazing experience in her first semester at Virginia. She did very, very well in in school. I'm not I'm not allowed to talk about her GPA after one semester. I was I was warned against that by my wife, and so <laughs> I'm going to pass on that. But but uh, we're we're very proud of her, and uh, you know. In, in 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 college these days, the you know the the Christmas break is pretty a pretty long break, and so um, it's it's been a great opportunity for us to spend time with her. Dad notes here uh, as someone that has a three and a half year old daughter, I'm jotting down notes here. Don't reveal GPA after first semester. Yeah, I, I didn't know. I of, thought you were supposed of, to brag. College Anytime there is a good GPA, well, I, I thought you were supposed she to brag. Says probably goes right. I, I am I am bragging. I just can't. <laughs> Throw out numbers. <laughs> that's Very that's fair. fantastic. Very fair. Smart, smart advice there from Rick Carlisle. Again, tonight it'll be the Pacers and Rockets. Our coverage is going to begin at 730. It's an 8 o'clock Eastern tip. Coach, I know it's early in Houston. Appreciate the time. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And we'll talk to you uh, in the new year. Always a pleasure. Take care, guys. Rick Carlisle right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. A lot there. Uh, Elijah, great work on the dump button early from Rick Carlisle. Oh, that's a couple dumpers he's had with us this year, right? <laughs> I've only so. been here for this one, and this is the first time I used the dump button. That I've was been... a nice left-hand movement there from Elijah <laughs> to get on that. Uh, what do you make? What do you make of the everything's on the table? You could find out very soon well, I, what that is. I like it. I mean, that is a tease that you would imagine. Okay, let's go back because Carlisle alluded to there were going to be some lineup changes and then there weren't any lineup changes against Charlotte, okay? A week ago yeah, today. Yeah, a, a right? week ago uh-huh. today. And then he, he slept on it. They had a few days. He had a few days to think about it. And there was there was no change. And then the Memphis game happens. Uh, and, and they only lose. And that's Jaws' big game and everything else. And there was nothing there. And it was Buddy. It was Halliburton, Turner, Brown, Toppin, and everything else. And then Brown with the knee injury. Notable, he's not going to play tonight. That sounds like, I don't know, maybe that's going to be maybe a few days here. Uh, and so you put Nemhart in the starting lineup. That makes all the sense. But it's an injury. 
and Nemhard played well, so it's not it's not like you're bringing Bruce Brown off the bench and he played 11 minutes. So we don't really – I don't know if Nemhard starts tonight, which I would imagine he probably would – then I don't see where you would have any other change than that starting lineup that we saw with Orlando. To me, it's going to be: Does someone earn, uh, you know, does someone earn minutes? Does he try different combinations? This is the second time in a week we've heard Carlisle hint at there's going to be a change, and I guess the first time there really wasn't a change. What happens tonight? To me, it sounds like he's going to do something different. And again, when I followed up, I mean, he alluded to oh, something to is up, going yeah. to happen. Obviously, he wouldn't share what. Now, I will say there was an ounce of me, Andy, for a split second, just based off his wording, and I could be reading too much into it. Based off his wording, I thought, you know, could we see a trade? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Again, it was just an ounce that crept into my mind. Yeah. And, and I'm not usually a big, like, send me every possible potential trade. Send me the ESPN <laughs> trade machine and let me do that for five hours. I'm not that guy. So I, I I don't think like nonstop about it, but when he said it, that was initial thought that I had. Now I do think it's more lineup centric than anything, and obviously, like you said, Andrew Nemhard really maybe the lone bright spot from Saturday night against the Magic. I do think him being back is important. The other thing that I thought he said with us that I found interesting, and he didn't you know hit on it too too much, but he did mention. I asked him a question about fouling, and they're one of the higher foul teams in the NBA. And he mentioned size. Right. I would right. say that's something to do with lack of pacer size, more size for the opponent. You know, when you think about the starting lineup, what's Halliburton? 6'5"? Bruce Brown, 6'4". Buddy yeah. Hield, 6'3", 6'4"? I mean, you're about I, right. You know, Miles Turner, 6'11". Right, right, right. I, I'm focusing on those three. I would venture to guess in today's NBA, I could be wrong on this, but I would say there's probably not too many teams that start three guys 6'5 or less. That's just how the NBA has kind of evolved. I would agree with you. Everybody's got kind of the six, seven, six, eight wing. Hell, there's probably teams that start four guys over six, seven. So um, now Nemhard doesn't necessarily solve that. It's not like Nemhard is this, and it's not like Benedict mm. Mather in the starting lineup would all of a sudden change your size or your height there. But that is also something um, that I think should be noted. So Elijah will certainly podcast that. I think that was another. Uh, enlightening listen from Rick Carlisle. Wait, we got and, some news about Bruce Brown not Bruce playing Brown. tonight. Yeah, I, I just here's where I am with this team, and I and I feel this when we when we talk with Carlisle that I, we we've been clear that we haven't beat this team over the head too much, and they haven't been good the last couple weeks, and I feel like with the Pacers, KB, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area. Like, the Colts erased that by being in playoff contention and beating some of the teams that they did. The NBA, it's such a long 82-game schedule that, you know, we've looked at this team as as a really good team, as one of the talks of the NBA, and now they're not. And we're saying that, and it's not like it is in the NFL where it's like, well, you only have three more opportunities or four more opportunities or two more weeks of the season. There is so long of a season to go here that 
it's not like in it, it is in football where every game means so much that the emergency signals go out. Does that make sense what I'm saying? That they can go out win four out of five, win five out of six, win five in a row, whatever it may be, and they're right back to where we are in all the consternation and all the unhappiness and everything. It's like silly. It's like, well, why did you do that? You you know, you're not even 30 games into an NBA season. You got a lot of time. Why, Why are you sounding the alarm in December when you have all these games? But also, on the other hand, again, this is the nuanced discussion. They're not playing very good basketball right now, so much so that Rick Carlisle, the last week, has told us and has said very publicly, you know, alluding to changes, right? Whether it be lineup and, or I guess whatever else it may be, shuffling the lineup, shuffling the starting lineups. I mean, he even alluded to, are we going to have a different style of play? Do we need to have a different style of play if we can't play defense and we're fouling at a high level and everything else? And then, it's odd even talking with Carlisle, we get the nuanced discussion of, he says, oh, you'll find, I mean, basically said you're going to find out soon the changes that we're going to make. It's the second time in the last week that he's done it, but when he, but when he talks about his team, we had him on for 15 minutes, don't you feel like the other 13 minutes are him being glass half full guy? Yeah, agreed. Uh-huh. And, 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 so, and so there's that negative of, oh, oh we're going to do something here. It's going to be a big move. And we've heard some of that. And then we've also heard, well, I'm a glass half full guy. And these are great guys. And we've we've done a little bit better the last couple games, allowing under 120 points in those respective games against Memphis and against uh, Orlando. And so I'm trying to find out is is – I'm trying to find out what the what the correct lane is for this Pacer team. And I'm very confused because it is a nuanced discussion. There is a lot of time. They've done good things. But they're also right now an eight seed if the right. playoffs were to start. And you start looking at some of the teams ahead of them. I mean, there's three or four teams that they're not going to catch. You know, I, I think a couple things. First off, you know, what does a coach say publicly? What does he say behind the scenes? Two different things. I do think Rick Carlisle toes a little bit more of the candid nature, which we greatly appreciate with him on Tuesdays, but, you know, just think about Shane Sykin. You know, he, he doesn't have to talk about Deion Jackson or Shaq Leonard or, you know, Daryl Baker Jr. publicly, but then the actions speak enough. It's a bench, it's a bench, and it's a cut. Amir Speed, talked about it earlier in the show. His offsides penalty, uh, to me, that is a borderline cuttable play for a guy that has nothing on his NFL resume. At the very least, it's a you're inactive for next week type play. Do we see that? Again, Shane's not going to say anything publicly about it. So is Rick Carlisle talking with Lloyd Pierce and Jenny Buchek and, you know, Mike Weiner behind the scenes and saying, all right, you know, I can be glass half full publicly, but the lineup changes are going to be the actions. There's a bad bad cop attached to it. Those are the actions that obviously speak to it. Uh, Now, he points out you're a third of the way through the season. What I think is so frustrating about the Pacers so far is they have all these great wins. So, you know, there's potential there. And at the start of the year, Andy, I was probably a little bit more on the high end. I said five or six seed, 45 wins. Vegas was more of hover around 40, probably a play-in team. Well, right now, that's what they're at. They're a 500 basketball team. That's 41 wins. And they're the eight seed, like you just said. So they're kind of where they're at. The issue is the recent trend is negative, And now the schedule takes it up a notch here in January. I just don't know. So much of me, so much of it for me is rooted in personnel. The big wing. There's not the big wing, the defensive minded guy right. on this basketball right. team. So I don't know where the ready made fix is. Now, someone could point out, 
hey, Kevin, they were 7-5 and five with the previous starting lineup. Since the lineup changed, they're 7-9. and nine. Should they go back to the original lineup? Now, obviously, tonight you've got Bruce Brown out. so Which would be taking totally Buddy Heald and bringing him off the bench and putting Matherin back right. into that starting lineup. And right. I don't know if that's the cure-all. Now, 7-5 and five to 7-9, and nine, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, a notable difference when you look at it from a record standpoint. Does he think Matherin's earned it? I, I just, right. I, I, and I don't and feel again, like he probably I'm feels that Matherin way. I'm a huge Matherin guy, and I'm also a huge guy of you need to see the youth continue to develop. You know, play Nemhard. Play Matherin. I asked about Jairus Walker for a reason. Is he close? Because I think you can't lose sight of you're not in this win now. You are not the L.A. Clippers of this season where all the chips are in the middle of the table. Screw the draft picks. Screw the... There is a fine balance you're walking right now with the Pacers in, I guess you'd call it year three of the rebuild. You should and need to do some winning. But you also need to continue to develop the youth and make sure that the pieces around Halliburton internally are there for you. Or you moving forward. I think here's what it did. You mentioned you being pretty positive about this team uh, going into the season. Like, hey, they could be a five seed, a conversation like that. What over under, what adjusted over under number do you have them at? I can't remember. Is it 45 and a half KB? Is it 46 and a half? Don't you have them at an adjusted over under number? At least 45 wins. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm sweating. Well, I mean, you should be. I guess the thing would be with that, we had some positivity. And then early on, they gave credence to that positivity, right? I mean, they did. Oh, they were the talk of the NBA, right, right. Through, you know, uh, up until even that Lakers game. Even amidst some of the bad losses. 100%. Even amidst the bad losses, nationally and even locally, we were paying attention to the good wins. And I'll go back to something you said, and it's exactly what I wrote down if we talked about the Pacers today, was remember going back at the beginning of the season, we were being a little positive. The overall thought from Pacer people that we had on, I don't mean Carlisle, but, you know, insiders, if you will, that we had on, and a lot of the national scuttle was just be a playoff team, right? And it feels like now that's what they've settled into. And so for a lot of people, I think they look at the Pacers and say, well, I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, we, you know, I thought they'd be a playoff team and, you know, that's what they're trending to be is about a 500 playoff team and they'll make the playoffs. And this is, this is a, that's a good start on a year making the playoffs when you are rebuilding. And when this is the first year of contention, it means I'm not going to bash them over the head, but given that they've showed us that they can be more than that. It's made it to where I kind of want to bash him over the head. It's a very difficult spot I find us in with this basketball team. Uh, Eddie Garrison points this out to me, again, producer of uh, the Pacers Radio Network. 16 of the first 23 games to open up the new year are against playoff teams. So we talk about the schedule, you know, stiffening a little bit. And then uh, Tucker Barnhart and I are trading a few texts. Diehard Pacer fan, of course. Boy, is that a Um, name drop? Well, that's a nice name drop, Tucker Barnhart. Big time Pacer fan, yeah. a man that's been in professional sports <laughs> at a very high level. For, we had him on on a Thursday for a month ago. For a decade, a little bit different than my resume, to say the least here. Uh, and, and he points out, and this kind of gets into the Carlisle change topic. You know, he says, I've been a part of a lot of those conversations. Usually they happen day of game, day of practice. It's 828 Central Time right now. I think he, if he is going to make substantial lineup changes, he probably wants to tell those guys first before revealing it to us here on the radio. Now, he points out, <laughs> fair point. what about Jairus Walker for Obi Toppin? 
in the starting lineup. What about just playing Jarris Walker? I, he lit up when you ask about, about yeah, him. Yeah, I'm going to go there first. Okay. You, you know, again, big picture, what T- Tucker's pointing out, more of Walker, less of Toppin. I, I under, Toppin's in a contract year. He's not a guaranteed piece to be with you moving forward. Jarris Walker, of course, is under team control. And defensively, I don't see it from Toppin. I, great athlete, but I don't see it on that end of the floor like Jairus is supposed to give you a little bit. So, again, I'm probably baby steps with Jairus Walker. Let's get him into the rotation first before maybe outright starting lineup. But I think it's a fair point to bring up here on this Tuesday night. Again, Pacers-Rockets tonight, that is 8 o'clock. Uh, let's still give away those Butler pair of tickets to the UConn game a week from Friday. Let's do that at some point here to close it out. Do we have a good question we should talk about off air? Oh, we should definitely talk about it off air. Should we make Elijah come up with the Butler basketball question? Elijah, come up with a Butler basketball question here. Just throw it on him. By the way, I do love that usually we have Mark Dykton, who always plays the Packers suck, and Elijah wearing his uh, Packers jersey today. I did that on purpose. I did that on purpose. (laughs) I got it for Christmas. I love it. I mean, the Packers are probably not going to make the playoffs, let's face it. But just to no, mess with not. Mark a little bit, I decided to wear it while I was doing his shift today. So <laughs> he'll have to get the, By the stink way, are off the his Bears chair. Lurking in the playoff picture or no? Oh, they won. Uh, they have what six wins? No, they're not lurking. They're just ruining their draft position, like the Jets did. Uh, time for a morning checkdown. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. One last Pacers thought, Neesmith, is that a little longer? Is that a little bit more size? I know he's not 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but be. I don't know. I, I, I'm, maybe I'm putting too much into that Rick answer with us earlier, but I'm trying to provide a little bit of what could be the realistic thing. Listen, Carlisle, you better make a change that we all understand, okay? After Try all of this for the of last it. week, uh, let's start 29-10. Not good for the Colts. Losers in Atlanta on Sunday. The Colts still a seven seed, eight and seven, still a ton to play for, but not good in Atlanta. Here's Shane Steichen. I don't know. We got to uh, look at ourselves hard in the mirror, obviously, after uh, a loss like that. I'm um, starting with myself. Um, and get those things corrected. You know, you have a big win the week prior, and then you go do that. What we did uh, today, um, you know, we can't have it. And obviously, we got two guaranteed left to us, and uh, we got to get it cleaned up in a hurry. And uh, they're at home, so I know we will get those things cleaned up. I have full confidence in the guys in there uh, that we'll get it cleaned up uh, for the last two. Andy, you more disappointed in the defensive effort or the offensive line effort from Sunday? Ah, uh, boy. You know what? I I, I just. I'm gonna go. I, I hate. I hate copy now. I'm, I'm gonna go with the defense. I'm going with the defense. But what, why is that copy now? Oh, I guess it's not copy now. I guess I, I'm going defense simply because you got like four or five guys that are good pass rushers, and none of them 
did anything. You dropped what could have been a pick six as well. I don't know. You made a bad offense, even though they have some nice skill guys, a bad offense and a backup quarterback and an embattled coach and everything else. By the way, we haven't even talked about it. We're two and a half hours in, and I should have. I mean, the reason the reason Atlanta won, Arthur Smith, he shaved the mustache. I did see We that. didn't even talk about uh-huh. it. No longer adult well, I mean, film star yeah, if I, Arthur if Smith. I He's known, Falcons head coach again. Exactly. If I would have known Arthur Smith was going to shave the mustache and Michael Pittman Jr. wasn't going to you play, have Falcons I, yeah, I would have won Atlanta 30-10 to 10 to win the game. So uh, which way would you go? I would go with that defense just because defense. they were healthy. Well, I mean, again, they're healthy. That's not Atlanta's strength, their offense. Uh, you've seen the Colts D D yeah. excuse me the Colts O line have some issues here uh, in the Cincinnati game just two weeks ago while they played much better against Pittsburgh. Uh, but yeah, I would go defense, it, you know, healthy at every level. And there's multiple things you didn't play make and you whiffed routinely on right. tackles. You after can't tackles, do both after tackles. Season high in points for the Falcons, uh, second highest yards per play of the season. Colts Raiders week seventeen. They need a win. You are favored by three as the Raiders got a big win in KC yesterday. It will be a short week and a multiple time zone trip for the fired-up Antonio Pierce and Aiden O'Connell. Again, tonight it is in Houston. Last I saw, Andy, two-and-a-half-point favorite. Does that sound right for the Rockets? Uh, Yes. They are the streaky Houston Rockets. This is how their season has unfolded so far. Lost their first three. Won their next six. Lost three. Won two. Lost three. One five, lost three, and now they've won two. They're athletic. They're young. I forgot they had Fred Van Vliet uh, wear a cup with Dylan Brooks. Well, I was going to say Dylan Brooks. We should have had, oh, man, we dropped the ball. I mean, Carlisle wouldn't have said anything, but he does have to tell the guys before the game, hey, Dylan Brooks is going to do something shady in this game. Like, you know it. Uh, Sengun right? at center is very good, even though probably no one in this market uh, knows much about him. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Holiday, talk about a former Pacer throwback. He gets in off the bench, and they're young guys. Remember Amen Thompson, Cam Whitmore? Oh, yeah. Uh, Jake and I certainly discussed some of that around the NBA draft. Those two have barely really played for him. You and Jake had a lot of Cam Whitmore conversation back in the day? Well, remember, sure you did. Um, we had Chad Buchanan on the day after the draft, and he said that the Pacers were, I forget the exact word he used, but let's go with feverishly trying to trade back. Smitten. Up yes. into round one to take the falling Cam Whitmore, which uh, he has really not done much here for the Rockets early on. Three and a half is your spread right now. I think the most sh- shocking thing, again, the over-under, 237 and a half. Looking at it right now uh, on ESPN. Oof. Uh, week 16 Oof. wrapped up in the NFL. Again, we'll continue to monitor the playoff picture right now in the AFC. You've got two teams that have clinched. That would be the Baltimore Ravens. That would be the Miami Dolphins. In the NFC, you've got Lions, 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles. So still over half of the playoff field that needs to be solved here in the final two weeks. And plenty of seeding. I don't think, has anybody clinched a seed? I don't think anyone has clinched a seed yet. I don't believe that's the case, no. And we get Ravens-Dolphins coming up this weekend. Ravens-Dolphins will be a very good one. And let's say Lamar may win the, may win the MVP. Which would be good for him. Uh, I still Second think Chris McCaffrey deserves a little bit. And who knows? I mean, if Tyreek Hill goes off this week, I, I don't know. Maybe that's something that could factor into it as well. All right. Uh, we'll continue the Colts conversation and give away tickets to Butler, UConn, a pair of them a week from Friday. Got it. 
All right, we're going to give some Butler basketball tickets away here in just a second. Dive back into the Colts and Falcons, all the uh, items that we've discussed here over the last several hours. You know, KB, just to wrap up, I know we said a lot about the Pacers there. We always appreciate Coach Carlisle joining us, especially game days like today. Again, 730 tonight, our pregame coverage here on The Fan um, I was watching, you know, the, there was obviously a lot of football and there was still the basketball going on on uh, the five games going on on Christmas Day. And one of the postgame shows, they were having the conversation. It was Woj was having the conversation about the 76ers. The, the Sixers, you know, obviously want to extend Joel Embiid. And then on top of it, they have Tyrese Maxey, who is pretty financially friendly right now, being, um, you know, just a couple years in the league. And so eventually he'll get his money. But one of the things he was mentioning, whether it be a trade or in free agency, you know, they can, whether it be a trade in season or free agent after the season, they're essentially going to have that slot open for a um, for a max deal player, and the guys that he was mentioning were who, the guys, the Raptors, Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi. And the reason it's interesting, those are the guys that we've mentioned right, here. Right. And Woj was making the point with the Sixers, they need a big wing that can go guard and that can go do all these things. And I'm like. First, every team needs that, or just about every team needs that. But we've talked about that so much with the Pacers, and he mentioned Siakam and OG by name as two guys just to kind of watch should they go all in midseason. And I find that interesting, given that Carlisle's comments and where the Pacers are, those are two guys for the last three weeks that we've talked a ton about. Yeah, we were just talking about a little bit more in the break. You know, again, do you start Smith, move top into the bench, get Jairus Walker into the rotation? Uh, That's kind of something that I think I like in helping you out short-term and a little bit of long-term view as well, and you know, Andy, it's probably time we start to pick up the Buddy Healed conversation again. I mean, you're a month and a half away from the deadline. What does that look like with him? Uh, and obviously, the schedule again totally, totally stiffens up here come January. All right, uh, before we get back in the Colts conversation, we are going to give away those Butler tickets. This is to the UConn game a week from Friday. Elijah, let's take the uh, the caller and provide the first answer. We'll do this off air since. 2000, how many NCAA tournament victories for the Butler men's basketball program? Since 2000, Andy Sweeney, we looked up this answer. We did. Your first thought when you heard the number? I I thought it was a little high. But again, you got to think, 2010 and 2011, they won a ton of games in the tournament. But still, that's what? Only, what, five each? So that leaves you at 10. If you take those two years out, do they have more NCAA tournament wins than IU (laughs) over that span? Now you're doing sports radio. No, I asked that in all seriousness. I need to look it up. I would imagine they would. The title game in 2002. Right. But that's their only Elite Eight appearance, right? Uh, It is. Don't get mad. Indiana fans will start coming at you. They'll get angry. Since 2000, how many NCAA tournament victories for Butler? That is the men's basketball program. Elijah's taking that off there right now. Um, Jonathan Taylor in his return, Andy. First two carries, 19 yards. The rest of the game, 24 yards on 16 carries. And we had the caller earlier, and I kind of brought it up. I I don't want – I think the root of the run game issues for Sunday was an inability to establish a line of scrimmage, and there's a domino effect with this. It's no respect for Gardner Minshew. It's no respect for a passing group, Sands, Michael Pittman. So there are other reasons how much – 
were you putting blame on Jonathan Taylor in his return for the lack of rushing effort come Sunday? So I don't put too much on Jonathan Taylor. I don't. I think the Colts on Sunday were probably about the easiest team to defend as there could be. Am I wrong there? Not having Pittman uh, and, you know, not having, and, and the, you know, the, the offensive line being dominated. So we know Atlanta already was good against the run, one of the better teams in the NFL. We talked about how a lot of their stats, you know, they had a top 10 defense, and there's no doubt their offense has put them in bad position this year. So you look at, a good defense already. You look at, you know, potentially maybe he was favoring that right hand. You throw that in, and I think you have to throw in as well, not only the offensive line, but that the Colts, you know, uh, Coach Venturi's talked a lot about this uh, on the different Colts programs here on the air. That is, when teams go to that bare defense, when they say, we're going to stop that run, the Colts, for the most part, are, are they kind of succumb to that, do they not? Right. Uh, and and that and so nothing helped Minshew out. The question I have, and it's still, you know, if this team makes a postseason, and even if they don't, you still have these two games to where it can change a narrative. In the end, boy, just there hasn't been there haven't been too many high points for Jonathan Taylor. Is it a is it a oh, no. is it a no, is it a loss season yeah, oh, yeah. this I mean, year well, totally? I I just you look at a game loss like, from the bank account. Well, but it's, yeah, I it, guess that's my point. Yeah, it's been a disappointing season health wise, and then I would just say kind of sheer production. He hasn't hit a hundred yards when, and he, I, when and, he's been on the yeah, field. Yeah, I can I, I can understand. Well, you know, a hundred yards doesn't have to be the line anymore. He had a nice game against Tampa. He had the, the ninety one yards, the two touchdowns. If you go back to that. Saints game, 7.9 per carry. I only feel like, like I guess there's a point of we could get to the end of the year and there's only two or three games where we feel like we saw the Jonathan Taylor that we that you know that, that we have seen. And I don't know how much that worries me going forward, coming off a brand new spanking three year deal, and it's two point four yards per carry yesterday. One snap that's what it is. With Anthony Richardson, I do think that's important context to talk about moving forward. We've mentioned the Zach Moss, you know, yards with Richardson versus with Minshew at starting quarterback. I do think that factors they're, they're in. They're easy to defend as well. And that's the biggest problem they have. And again, especially without I mean, if you are Michael Pittman Jr.'s agent, you sat there on Christmas Eve afternoon and you outside of your client being injured, you sat there smiling, watching the Colts offense try to move the ball vertically. Alec Pierce and DJ Montgomery, 132 combined offensive snaps for them. Four catches for 38 yards. I thought I saw a note. The Colts had five drops on Sunday. I know you can get a little gray area with that with that figure, but there were some very catchable balls. Oh, th- there was there was two or three that were just right for first downs. And, you know, you bring up the Alec Pierce one, everyone automatically, I'm not picking on Alec Pierce, but that's a play that you have to make, especially when your options are limited and especially when the targets are rather limited for Alec Pierce as well. Uh, David Mulagetta from Athletes First. That is the agent for Michael Pittman. Oh, he's one of the bigger ones. Oh, yeah, sure. There. Uh, Colleen, that was our winner, Elijah? Yeah. My mother's name is Colleen. Different Colleen. It wasn't though. her, was I'm it? Ass- I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't think your mom's last name is this lady's last name uh, because uh, they don't match at all. I thought you all. were just going to say it. I appreciate Correct. that. Uh, well, she's going to go then. I watched UConn this weekend. Colleen, they barely beat Patino. Congrats, Andy. The number of Butler NCAA tournament wins since 2000. That number is 22. 22. That's a large number. Butler right now, 
from Joe Lenardi is in the first four out. I don't know how much that matters on December the 26th, but here we are. I have an amendment to my lowercase goat from the weekend I'd like to do before we close it out. All right. Can Good we do with that? me? Yeah. We'll do that do whatever next. you want. One final time here. Wake up call. KB and Andy. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hopefully everybody had a good uh, holiday weekend. If that continued into today, that's great stuff as well. New Year around the corner. Uh, I imagine everyone on this show is going to be at home not doing a damn thing on New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm looking at Kevin Bowen. I, I don't think he's going anywhere with the kids, and neither am I. Now, before the it's break— miracle if I midnight. Well, yeah. You wanted to amend yes. one of your uh, goats of the week. So go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah. I'm forgetting who you even picked well, to be your goat I, I of the week. I an awful lowercase goat of the week. I was selfish. I said, well, if your fantasy football team has an injury, you should be allowed to replace <laughs> that player. I mean, just so— so soft of me, so selfish of me. So who right. called you out? I've got a new one from an entertainment value, all right? Okay. And this is go. this makes me think of Butler from Saturday. I watched a lot of Butler Providence on yeah, so Saturday, did I. okay? Uh end of the game, Butler's what? They're up three, Andy. Yep. Providence hits a three. Yep. Two seconds to go. Yeah. Overtime. Providence pulls away. Yeah. They win. I want a college basketball rule. Okay. And that Thad Mata would not sign off on this after what happened at the end of the game on Saturday. No team is allowed to foul up three. Interesting. Uh, entertainment okay. value is my only reason for this. There's no logical basketball reason oh, behind this. You're spot on. It slows the game down into mush. It slows it, and it makes for the most boring final 15 to 10 seconds. I want every three-point shot to be attempted there late. I want a technical foul called <laughs> if you are up three and you foul. I, I thought you were going to say something about they would be able to advance the ball to midcourt. But you can still but, foul right but, on the catch. Yeah, but the only like, reason I thought you were going to say that is, infamously, our good friend of the show, Mike DeCourcy, hates that. He does not believe the college basketball they do should ever. In they do that the in the NBA. Game. And they do that in the women's game now, I too, believe, I believe. I believe so. They do not do it in the men's game. I actually thought they had a timeout there. Butler, did you know? Did Thad ever think about calling the timeout there? You would have had maybe a second or so. I'm with you. It happened in the Memphis-Vanderbilt game. Don't ask how I got stuck watching the Dear end Lord. of the Memphis-Vanderbilt <laughs> game. Uh, but Memphis-Vanderbilt had that exact same thing happen to where they were fouling up three. And Memphis actually fouled up three. The guy made the free throw, I believe, to make it a two-point game. And then he missed it. And they got the rebound and had a chance to win the game. And it could have <laughs> sunk Betty Hardaway's team. It, 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 but it didn't. So, again, That's not no what basketball happened. logic. I'm fine with it. I got no problem with it. from entertainment. I hate team. And now, look, I mean, it cost Butler the game, to be totally fair. I mean. It did. Uh, so, I, did. I know that says no logic to Thad Mata and the Bulldogs trying to get their first Big East road win. But I cannot stand when teams are up three, and here comes the foul game, and the purposely missed the second free throw, and it, you know, oh, I know the guy airballs it fifty percent of the time, and then you know <laughs> it's just a it's just a painful, just boring, boring close to a game. Well, no, because you want to see ball in the air, shot goes up, clock hits zero. Yeah, basically that's three, what we want to see two, as basketball one. fans. Again, we've got Max Bone with the Nerf hoop now in the bathtub. That is what Santa brought Max, and, and you know how many three two ones I had with Max last night. He finally got the hang of it. 
a little bit later, and he probably made 50% of his right-handed layups. <laughs> well, that's not bad. It's better than some teams we followed, I'm sure, uh, in the area. Rosie so more of a line drive shooter so, in the so bathtub. It's, so it's in the bathtub, and then yeah. when he's big enough, it will then it goes on the wall, or how is this maturation well, going to take place? Yeah, I mean, it'll be primarily, I think, a bathtub item okay. for, for quite a while. But, uh, yeah, at one point last night, we did have it downstairs as well. Small hoop, and, you know, self That's all you need. For mom and dad, I think that's uh, provides a little... Entertainment. Rosie kicking it out to the shooter, though, is not something that... Oh, does she not want to pass? I can know, see that being the problem. A little bit of a score-first guard there for Rosie Bowen. Uh, hopefully everyone had a great, great Christmas. Again, thank you to Rick Carlisle earlier. Um, Andy, your thoughts on a lineup change or two for the Pacers tonight? No Bruce Brown. He did share that with us. A bone bruise. Uh, yeah, you... so you're gonna get ne- you're gonna get Nemhard, uh, and then don't you have to think? I think you've sold me with you go with Neesmith. Perhaps you bring For Toppin. Toppin. Uh, I mean, you know, we didn't even talk about Matherin just because he's been so inconsistent the last couple games. Had two points the other night. Only played 16 minutes. So you'd imagine Matherin doesn't go from 16 minutes to 36 minutes. If that happens, so be it. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're looking at, do you take Toppin out? You put Neesmith in. You know, Nemhard's going to be there already. And then, you know, maybe even minutes, just just minutes themselves. Does he? Does someone else play, even though it may be coming off the bench? And then, you know, Jarris Walker, he gave about a two-minute answer. He kind of lit up when you talked about Jarris Walker, what he did. That could be an option as well. 8 o'clock, Pacers Rockets tonight. Plenty of Colts conversation up on the podcast. Everybody have a great, great Tuesday. Hope you had a great Christmas as well. We'll chat with you tomorrow.